0: It's me, your old pal, Cowboy Kevin Man. Hey, thanks so much for checking out this very special episode of How To Wrestling. It was requested by Stephen Shepard, refs as wizards on Twitter, one of our lovely backers over at patreon.com forward slash How To Wrestling, where if you become a backer now, you can get access to over 60 bonus episodes. Our TLC 2019 review has just dropped. Going all the way back to SummerSlam 2015, you can get access to all those reviews, as well as the How To Revisited series, and some special treats for your ears along the way this episode is brought to you by our lovely friends over at foamhammergames.com who bring you Bucket the pro wrestling promoter card game and a game that has been dominating my free time quite a bit since it's come into my life I like many of you who spent my whole life wanting to have an ability on a card game on a board game at home with my friends to be able to have a battle of whose ideas of wrestling and promoting and matchups is best well Bucket gives you all of that as well as incredible artwork that was designed by someone who has done designs for the likes of Kenny Omega, The Young Bucks, Adam Cole, Joey Janela, and many more, and designed by someone with over 10 years experience working in the pro wrestling environment backstage, you know that this game is everything that you want and more besides as a wrestling fan. Design your ideal promotion, book your ideal cards, and go head-to-head with your friends in a battle of wrestling wits. Will you end up spiraling out like Smoky Mountain Wrestling, or we go on to great heights and have blood money deals like WWE? So, Head on over to foamhammergames.com, get your hands on Bucket, use the code HowTo to get yourself $5 off, and spend the holiday season proving that your vision and mine for the wrestling business is the superior one. But for now, enjoy this very special episode. It's time for some law and order, and hey, back it up. It's time for how-to referees. Greetings friends and welcome to another episode of How To Wrestling, the world's first podcast detailing how to wrestling, how to get interesting, how to understand wrestling and goodness knows maybe how to enjoy. How you to back it up now. One, two, three, come on now. Uh, hello once again, it's me, your old pal, wearing the referee shirt today, Cowboy Kevin Mann, joined as I am always by my better half, the ever inquisitive and ever learning Joe Graham. Hello. How are you doing today, Joe? I'm
1: very well. That referee shirt really suits you. Doesn't it just? I'm a very, very fortunate
0: man now. I've got this lovely referee shirt that was gifted to me at the, at the podcast festival this year. And as a result, since then, there's been nothing but law, order, and officiation around this household.
1: <laughs> you know me. I'm a naughty wrestler.
0: Yeah, Joe's always. I've got all my turnbuckle covers in the kitchen. Joe's yeah. always trying to remove them. Like, yeah. you know, she's always, you know, distracting me while her friends are doing stuff around my back. But generally speaking, my decision is final. So things <laughs> seem to be going quite well. So today we are talking about referees. And I was just thinking about this earlier before we started recording. I can't think of anything else other than commentary. Where this has been an element in every single match that we have watched for this podcast.
1: Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, there's there's nothing else.
0: Considering that we've covered nuclear bombs being dropped on Terry Funk, to (laughs) Jimmy Havoc cutting someone up in Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. to Awesome Kong and (laughs) Seth Rollins kicking each other very, very hard. I mean... Referees are a constant in the world of wrestling, Joe.
1: Yeah, they really are. They are one of the few constants, as you say.
0: And I was wondering what your earliest memories or ideas of referees were. I mean, did you notice the referees much when you first started watching?
1: No. And because it's not really... I mean, since I started watching wrestling, which was just before Kevin Owens debuted on NXT for, like, a time reference for everyone. Since that point referees have not been really made into characters or storylines you know there's not been much emphasis on the importance of referees in matches
0: in the WWE especially I would say yes yeah
1: especially I guess AEW as you say there's a bit more because you've got Aubrey Edwards who's Mm. a bit more involved in the storylines and things yeah but I think the first time I remember there being any sort of like referee like of importance Mm. It would have either been, I forget her name, but the female referee in NXT, because I was like, oh... A female referee.
0: Jessica Carr, I believe is you're, you're talking about. She was NXT. I believe she's going to SmackDown now. In...
1: That's so cool. I didn't know she was going to SmackDown. I thought she was just leaving. I was really sad.
0: Yeah, so you're, you're obviously you've come into a time when female referees as, you know, it's becoming almost a mainstream thing now. If we could say it's going to be on, on Fox and it's going to be on, on TNT that I think we can say that female referees are, are certainly the norm now. Good. That, that would certainly wasn't always the case and no. there'll be plenty of chat about that later on in this episode but in terms of the actual job of the referee let's just talk completely kayfabe first and foremost mm. and i don't want to spend too much time ragging on all the stuff like all the tropes of referees but
1: why not though because i feel i'm not aware of any tropes of referees. really yeah so okay quickly tell me what are some tropes
0: okay referee being distracted by a manager or a tag team partner on the apron as loads of shit happens behind them. I don't know if you remember in our Dudley Boys episode, way yeah. back in the day, they had a special move where Bubba would slam someone down into the ground. He'd open up their legs and then he'd go... What's up? Because it's 2001, baby. <laughs> and then Devon Dudley, he'd say "What's up?" And then mm. Bubba was like, "You know what's up?" And then he would dive off the top rope, and his head would hit the crotch yeah. of whoever was was down there, and the referee missed that every single time for every single match the Dudley Boys ever had wow because it's an illegal move but every time they're like hang on a second they'd just be over there being distracted but see
1: I have a theory about this okay and my theory is that good refereeing is like a good NPC in a video game
0: <laughs> this is a theory you've been working on now yeah. i mentioned for you to present your evidence throughout this episode they're
1: like guards NPC guards in video games in that you have to be aware of what the referee can see and what they can't see. Mm -hmm. But in order to take advantage of what they can't see, you have to know what they can see.
0: So you're saying that the referee, by its very definition, to be a storytelling device Mm -hmm. in wrestling has to have limitations and flaws. You have
1: to have a quite a narrow field of vision. You can only see sort of directly in front of you and happen to always be facing the the wrong way for all the spots. <laughs> because otherwise you wouldn't get these fun moments that occur, would you?
0: I mean that's very, very true. I mean if if a referee was like seriously take no shit at all whatsoever it would be very much like no fun whatsoever. That
1: would be a really fun idea as a character for a ref, though. Like a, a really like clever ref that always spots... He has a really good field of vision always spots the tricks.
0: Well, I mean, we'll be name-dropping referees constantly throughout this episode. But there was, I think we mentioned it briefly in our ECW episode, because ECW was a, an organisation which prided itself on having no rules whatsoever being completely chaotic and they had bill alfonso who was the referee who ensured there was extreme enforcement of the rules right so he would stop any match if he thought there was a little bit of trickle of blood like no the the, the vision has been impaired on this competitor and the florida athletic commission states that we cannot continue this <laughs> match guys no chairs are barred by the athletic commission i've been on the horn with them now they're very upset we have to stop the match
1: now interestingly you're talking about the athletic commission you know we were saying in our Survivor Series review... On Patreon, mm. we were talking about how we'd like to have a heel authority figures back. Yes, and the but in a, in a
0: different way, in a different way. Yeah.
1: But having the athletics commission as like <laughs> as we were saying, this like board that yeah. has to be, and then like communicated via the referees. And oh. the referees themselves would be like authority figures. That's
0: very true. I mean, it's interesting that we are talking about what is meant to be the 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 ultimate kind of authority figure in a match, mm. and yet they are characters who constantly have their authority undermined yep. uh, there's the the ref bump is something we'll talk about a lot where a referee gets a feather touch and then he or she is knocked out for what seems like an entire yeah. match as referee after referee after referee come out to take their place like I
1: do find that a little bit annoying sometimes when like a ref is hit on their like their ass for example and yeah. suddenly they're knocked out like they're, they're unconscious yeah. that doesn't make any sense <laughs> I mean like
0: there's all i mean these are all little things that people are going to always pick up on and, and gripe about with referees i think one of people don't like sometimes is like there's an inconsistency like a referee will fall for a trick that a heel would do but they wouldn't fall for it if a babyface would do it a lot of this comes up in tag matches for instance yeah where there's a baby face who's trying to get the hot tag the good guy really wants to get his or her partner in to clear house and change the, and then every time the referee's like no no i didn't see the tag or whatever but the heels could be in the corner working over someone and the referee's back is turned and and then they go and they don't even tag they just clap and pretend right. and the referee's like oh I heard it so it's okay you know <laughs> so I mean I think rightly a lot of fans over the years and particularly if you've been watching for a long old time you've kind of accrued in your head I guess from if you're like somebody who's played a lot of stealth games you know the shit that guards are always yeah. going to do
1: ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum,
0: ba-dum, ba-dum.
1: so glad you got the music I was referring to there
0: now we know, of course, now we've, we've talked about some shortcomings of referees and whatnot, but in the world of kayfabe, I have said the referee is meant to be the source of authority and law and order. Mm-hmm. What are the actual jobs or what are the actual things the referee has to do in kayfabe in the match? What do you believe that the, their job actually intends to Involve.
1: Okay, so they have to be aware of the rules of the match. Okay. So if there's no disqualifications, they have to be aware of that so that they don't disqualify someone who like hits them with a chair. Mm-hmm. But similarly, if there are disqualifications, they have to be aware of all the things that would disqualify an opponent. Okay,
0: so what are some things that could could cause a disqualification in your minds, Joe?
1: So like a, a chair yeah. or any kind of weapon, I guess.
0: Okay. So a foreign, object, foreign or, object or an international yeah. object as they yes. were known at one point in WCW.
1: Um, interference okay. with like a, a team member. Mm-hmm closed fist is that one that is a thing yeah no one it's ever, never done ever does it like i just know. remember from our like very first episode we we're like closed fists is a legal maneuver like, what
0: if, <laughs> if you see the word closed fist written down i guarantee if you're a wrestling fan of x-men years you will hear that in jim ross's voice like closed oh, yeah. fists like it's, <laughs> it's a bad thing but closed fists technically are meant to be illegal Like yeah. if someone just terry function will be disqualified within five seconds of every match that he's in essentially yeah anything i mean in terms of like how someone could win and lose the match though what what jobs has the referee got there you've talked about dqs and yeah you know things are against the rules
1: so there's counting the the fall okay so one two three pin
0: yeah did you know there are two wrestlers in history possibly more who had special rules as related to the three count. No. Both Big E and a wrestler back in the 80s called King Kong Bundy, who was a big, bald, heavyset lad, both of them insisted because they were so powerful that they wanted the referee to count to five.
1: Wow so, yeah, Bundy
0: originated He wanted the five count So he, he would pin his opponent To demand the referee Count to five And Big E Was all about He would come out Just with the, the number five On his hand And he would just like Look like he was in, in a trance About getting the five And Big E's <laughs> theme song Would say Three ain't enough man I need five That's awesome uh, Which of course is great Because you have the referee Has to try and get the crowd Into the ocean Going One Two Three Keep it going guys Four, Four five. five Yay <laughs> So I think any more than a five count, and even a five count, might be ridiculous. Yeah. So any other ways a referee can determine winners and losers in a match?
1: Being counted out. Mm. So if a wrestler leaves the ring, Mm. they have a count of ten to get back into the ring.
0: It can be 20 in in other promotions Oh, really? Japan traditionally has a a 20 count. That's long. But it's weird. I I always thought, because I used to play video games from the N64 that had like, you know, were made in Japan, obviously from wrestling games, and they would have a twenty count in it. So I was like, twenty? That's crazy. But I remember watching Japanese wrestling and you go to the outside of the ring and they'd be like one, two, three, oh, four, you know. It's yeah. a proper count like, mm. you know. Do you think that that the count to the outside is a consistent thing? No.
1: It's ridiculously <laughs> inconsistent. And even more so when it comes to like say two wrestlers have left the ring and then one wrestler comes back into the ring, mm. more often than not the count will suddenly stop. Yes. Even though it shouldn't, it should still keep going for the other wrestler. But I guess it's hard for a referee to keep all those different numbers going in their head.
0: Yeah, there, there is kind of inconsistencies with it because we, we watched a lot of videos about refereeing. We've checked out lots of AMAs. We've been in contact with a whole lot of referees actually as well. And I will say do make sure you stick around after the break for our tweets and Facebook messages because we've got some love, first-hand accounts and recollections from actual referees working the job, which is really interesting. But <laughs> yeah, the count is weird because obviously if you come back into the ring, it's, you're meant to continue the count. But I know it was always a thing when I was watching growing up like the big boss tone would always use where he'd roll into the ring and then he'd roll back out. Yeah. Which would break the count. I mean the referee had to start back over again. Yeah, as well. I like that. So you can kind of manipulate those rules. Yeah, that's cool. Now, if I was say in the corner and I was like, you know, had my hand in someone's face or I was like, you know, you know, doing loads of punches constantly and they didn't have a chance to defend themselves, do you know what the referee would do in that case?
1: Now, that's interesting you say that, because I've noticed the referees go oi you come out of that corner come on back it up yeah but they don't (laughs) seem to actually do anything other than just sort of say get out of there
0: there is a count
1: there There is a count i've ever seen it happen
0: so they go one two three and if they hit five you're disqualified
1: right and And has that ever actually happened it has
0: happened a few times in some very damp damp squib finishes yeah it's usually if they have like a you know, they have a wrestler, he's like, it's a good guy they want to show is kind of been pushed over the edge, or a bad guy, he's just really ruthless. And they'd have him keep on, you know, beating in the corner. Like, no, one pull, try and pull him off, and they do the five count. It's like, they're such a badass, and they're so crazy, they wouldn't stop punching him, even as I count to five. But I think you may have seen it before, because if you remember, Daniel Bryan used to, when he was Bryan Danielson, would always go, I, I have till five, referee.
1: But that was things like having someone in a submission hold and then they break
0: ah, they
1: break the ropes
0: that, that is also institutes of five count yeah so if you are in a hold and you get the ropes that's a rope break right yes and the rope break also includes underneath the ropes if you grab the ring apron which
1: i didn't realize until i think this year sometime
0: yeah i think what we did it was either kurt angle revisited or steve austin revisited we watched some of their matches from 2001 where they use that exact finish. Yeah. So I was like, that's the only reason I know that's a thing. Like, you know, <laughs> I learned that because of that. So are there any other things that the referee has to do in kayfabe then for, for the competitors in the match?
1: You have to check to see if someone's shoulders are on the floor. Ah. So you have to put their hand underneath their shoulders to see if there's space. And if their shoulders are on the floor, you have to count the the pinfall.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Put the pin, I guess not the pinfall um i'm trying to think what else i'm really struggling to be honest
0: there's two other things one is at the start of the match
1: they have to check for weapons
0: yes yes very good and the that involves checking and this is this is this come very recently an attitude our podcast episode we did where Shawn michaels was acting as a special guest referee so they really were emphasizing all the things the referee has to do because they wanted to put a spotlight on Shawn michaels And they also said that they had to check the soles of the feet to make sure they were clear of obstruction.
1: Okay, what does that mean?
0: (laughs) Maybe that there's like nothing stuck to their boot that might cause them to slip in the ring or something like that. Okay. So if you'll see sometimes they'll run their hands down their legs and then just they'll brush the bottom of their feet. That's nice. For a big match, you know? Get you nice and zen before... (laughs) Yeah, the referee has to come over and go, there's an egg on your head. (laughs) And (laughs) it trickles down your neck. (laughs) (laughs) And the blood is gushing down. Do you have to hold up the title belt if
1: it's a championship match? You have to check the ropes.
0: Ah, yes, they do. That that extends beyond kayfabe. They, they are there they to check yeah. the ropes at the start, make sure they're nice and tight and
1: all that. They also have to check for blood. So ah. if someone's bleeding, they have to check the wound, make sure they're okay, and then...
0: Depending on whether or not it's for Brock Lesnar or not, we yeah. have to stop the bleeding. <laughs> and uh, yeah, in kayfabe, the referees are there to, to administer, in WWE at least, which still has kind of a no blood policy Mm. but the referees are in kayfabe as well meant to administer a little bit of you know hot glue or whatever with their little gloves that they have on i think there's only one other one that i could think of which is if you're in a submission hold and instead of making me go like and it's a grease sore instead it's like cutting off the oxygen to me and i think i might actually start passing out and the referee can't actually hear from me whether or not I want to quit or whether I'm I can actually I'm actually unable to tap out. Yeah. What does the referee do in that case?
1: Not, nothing, I thought.
0: They lift up their arm.
1: Oh, to see if they're conscious. Yes. Yeah.
0: And if the arm gets lifted up three times and if it drops on the third time, that means they're right, done. Right, yeah. They're knocked out, which means they're unresponsive and we have to end the match. Right. And we did see recently in Hell in the Cell 2019, another thing a referee could do. You remember what happened with Bray Wyatt and Seth Rollins? No. Ref stoppage. He just stopped the match. Oh remember? yeah,
1: of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was a disqualification, wasn't it? Really? No, that
0: was technically ref stoppage.
1: What's the difference?
0: A disqualification is if you've broken the rules. You know, I just thought saying
1: that Seth had broken the rules. But
0: the Hell in a Cell states that there are no rules. Okay, right. You know? So ref. This is why everyone was so pissy at right. the end of that match. They said it was ref stoppage because the referee had to use their discretion to determine whether or not the livelihood of the competitors was at risk. And because I have very vague memories of that match. I'm pretty sure Seth Rollins had like a loaded handgun. Yeah. And he also had a bomb that he was going to hit with a chair mm. on top of Bray Wyatt's face and he'd sawed his arms and legs off in the referee. right. Yeah, the referee was like, I'm going to call it now. Too far. <laughs> a little bit too far. Now, that's all kayfabe stuff. Yeah. Outside of that... I mean we've been to a bunch of indie shows. Yeah. And I know you've had an eye on the referee in a couple of matches. What what other things do they do?
1: They have to communicate things like how long is left in the match, mm-hmm. like timekeeping. They they have like a little headset on, don't they? So they have communication with the gorilla position. Yeah, so
0: in, in WWE and like most wrestling shows that will have like broadcast TV mm. or like have a television production or video production they'll have earpieces yeah so they can talk to the usually the director and the producers and whatnot will be in their their headset and this is funny we talked about in our commentary episode the idea of having vince mcmahon in your ear all the time but if you're a referee you probably could have vince mcmahon in your ear the director The producer, the agents for the match, you know. That's
1: really upsetting.
0: And you're not sat down at a desk with loads of notes. You're also in the midst of this very physical job.
1: I am one of those people that can't, I can't like multitask. If I'm on the phone to someone, I can't be doing something at the same time. I have Mm. to be like sitting still and looking at nothing to be able to hear for whatever reason, my ears don't work if my eyes are in use. It's like, no, it doesn't work. Pick a sense.
0: You only yeah, have one at You a only time. have one. That's why Jo has to put her fingers in her ears when she tastes anything. She
1: can't hear. <laughs> <laughs> so I could not do that job. I would literally, every time someone would be yelling in my ear, I'd have to stop and be like, say that again.
0: I mean, for me, this whole episode, so with, with the research and the, the input that we've had, has, even for me, a fan of over 20 years been eye-opening? Because, I mean, I told you, you know, the referees in WDB, for instance, and a lot of groups are also responsible for setting up the ring. Yeah. You know, making sure that the ring, the actually part of the ring crew who construct and put together the ring and put all the, the rigging up and stuff like that. And I mean, they do that. They're also involved with communicating between the wrestlers. If sometimes when the wrestlers have speak different languages, the referee also can act as a translator. What? They are the real life first line of first aid yeah. for anything that happens. I don't know if you've ever seen a referee do this X sign. I
1: certainly have. And mm. we went to was it a progress show or a Fight Club? Fight Club Pro. Pro it, was. it was. Yeah, the, the first, first match. match. <laughs> which is bless it, it was just the opening match with these young lads and. Some poor guy got a concussion in the first 15 seconds of the it was, match. It was
0: the first move. They, they went to yeah. the outside he landed right in concrete. And, on his head, yeah. It was and
1: horrible. Then, and then the ref did the X and we are like, oh.
0: Yeah, so I had to explain <laughs> that the referee was not part of D-Generation X.
1: Yeah, referee, suck it! Suck
0: it! In. You just got concussed! <laughs> now, yeah, the, the X symbol, which is, is used um, for a legitimate injury. Now, that's, of course, one of the worst-kept secrets in wrestling. Yeah. I wonder your thoughts on this because... There was a time in WWE where people started thinking that they were going to use the X for kayfabe
1: yeah so they're
0: gonna say oh Brock Lesnar's beating up someone for real throw up the X like even though they were not beating up for real I
1: wouldn't put it past WWE to do something like that but my god how dangerous that would be you'd have yeah. to be so prepared everyone involved would have to know okay we've got a new symbol which means real <laughs> injury what would it be I mean
0: think? if I touch my belt not once not twice but thrice <laughs> and then do the X symbol maybe it means that it's a legitimate injury yeah the X symbol on its own just means that it's a kayfave fame injury
1: they should have a whole sign language system for refs so they can like communicate somehow i don't know why they should have that It was a bad idea ignore no, me but I, I like the idea of refs talking in sign language
0: i know that refs there's there's definitely shorthand you know in terms of verbiage what i found quite interesting when i was reading about referees who have to translate between wrestlers hmm. is that it's often up to the referee to know which words are kind of universal in wrestling like clothesline or hurricane run and things like that yeah. so certain words they have to know which are buzzwords almost to 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 communicate but like beyond that when you get down to a grassroots or an indie level we've had referees say like it's my fucking job to know where the water is you know backstage wow it's my job to make sure that the place is locked up at the end
1: oh that's the worst
0: they are in many ways the wardens or like the gamekeepers of the wrestling show and in many cases and particularly in wwe since you've been watching They're overlooked, they're not given a lot of credit, Mm. and in the case of WWE, they're not even given names anymore. Yeah. Is that weird to you?
1: It is weird to me, and I I realise that that must be quite significant that it's weird to me, even though I've been kind of raised on the idea that referees are not part of the storyline and they don't have identities, and they Mm. are these invisible characters that are just there to keep the rules... I like the idea a lot more of referees with personality. Mm. Now, that's not to say that I think all referees should always be like a character. I think that there's some referees that kind of blend into the background very nicely, and they do their job very well, and you don't notice them, and that's part of their appeal. But I really like the fact that like Aubrey Edwards is a is a character in AEW, and she's very noticeable in the ring.
0: But like, what's her character? She's a good referee. She's a good referee, yeah. You know, she doesn't take shit. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I do like the idea of like that. You doesn't have to be, because I think of character referees, they think of like, oh, crooked refs. Heel
1: refs, yeah. You know, there's been a lot of
0: wrestlers who've had like, you know, personal referees. Right. You know, Kurt Angle at one point, he had a personal referee because wow. he thought that everyone was out to get him. So he'd make sure this guy would, would would do the job for him correctly. And they'd always, you know, count fast and stuff like that. But not just the, you know, the rules in the ring and actually making sure that the, the match can flow together and, you know, that the wrestlers can communicate with each other and the office. I and mean, we've had a lot of referees telling us, when it's younger wrestlers as well, their their job extends to helping their positions, knowing where they need to be at certain times, maybe giving them cues if things aren't going the right way. It's it's their job, the referees as well, to actually be like a conduit for the emotion of the crowd to the wrestlers, but also of what the wrestlers are doing to the crowd. The referees are like kind of the biggest amplifier almost of what's happening in the ring mm. and I don't know if you've noticed like the referees like almost selling in a way
1: I hadn't really noticed it until I saw Aubrey Edwards mm. it's very noticeable with her because yeah. she does this kind of I mean we're gonna talk about it later but she has a history being a dancer mm-hmm. and she has this very physically emotive performance that she puts on where she's kind of like very impassioned and she kind of she almost like emotes through her refereeing. Mm. And yeah, it's very obvious with her that she does kind of like sell the moves. Like she reacts to like particularly hard strikes and things like that or a big spot. She'll kind of respond, but not all referees do. so. Some
0: do it better than others. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's certain referees who I have like very strong memories of as a kid who would like be, who would get incensed at a heel doing something wrong. I think of someone like Teddy Long, who was a referee and because he had a very distinct voice you could hear him when he was, like, with a, with a heel, like, admonishing him for doing something wrong. Like, how could you do that, you know? Or, and you could... It's kind of like you know as an audience member then that, like, this person is doing something that's not just breaking the rules. It's 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 really egregious. Mm. And, like, I think a lot of people take that for granted. Like, of course I know what's going to happen in the ring. Oh, that's obviously a bad thing that's happened or this is obviously going to be a big spot. But you'd be surprised if someone's doing a big crazy move and the referee just kind of stands there mm. and doesn't go like "Oh my god!" or you know does it throw their arms up in the air.
1: Yeah,
0: it actually can really completely undermine what the wrestlers are trying to do. Yeah. So in the relation to how the referees convey emotion and the job of the referee to actually let the audience know how they should be reacting. We have a match here that was very strongly recommended from one of my all-time favorite referees and an absolute beautiful gentleman who's done such an amazing job in the world of wrestling. I'm so happy he's in AEW. He's done loads of stuff in Chikara. He's done stuff for a lot of the indie promotions that we've covered for you know, matches like Coca-Bana and Orange Cassidy. It's Bryce Remsburg. Mm. And the match with Bryce Remsburg that he's refereeing is a very, very special one indeed, Joe.
1: It certainly is. It's an invisible wrestler match, I guess. Is that what you call it?
0: I mean, this is invisible man versus invisible stanjo. Yeah. One of the all-time great feuds in wrestling. And this is from Joey Janela's Spring Break number three. This is from Game Changer Wrestling. And Joey Janela, the bad boy, who's in AEW, he has wrestled the Invisible Man several times. So this is kind of an extension of that. Invisible Man and Invisible Stan are brothers.
1: Yes, they made that very clear on the commentary. I liked that a lot.
0: So they're brothers Heated rivalry. They hate each other. Pretty much Kane and The Undertaker. Invisible Man.
1: He's the face. He's
0: the face. Invisible Stan. He's the heel. Yeah. Now, obviously, their names are not misnomers in any way, shape, or form. Both of these competitors are invisible. So, what is the actual structure
1: of this match, then? It's so interesting. So, first of all, we have the entrances. Mm -hmm. And the invisible Stan comes out first. Mm -hmm. You can tell it's the invisible Stan because the audience start booing.
0: Fuck you, Stan. Fuck
1: you, Stan chant. Yeah, Stan is clearly the heel. He makes his way to the ring. He. And you can only tell this because the audience are kind of looking. They're all looking in the same direction. How
0: brilliant is that?
1: Yeah, honestly, without the crowd being into this match the way they were, like, can you even imagine? This wouldn't have worked at all.
0: I mean, yeah, I think the fact that people were so excited by this concept. And the, the type of audience that they drew. And they advertise this in advance as well. So it's just kind of like basically inviting the audience to be a part of this show.
1: You can imagine, though, going to like... I mean, this wouldn't just work at any promotion. No, absolutely There are not. a lot of promotions fans would be furious if they saw a match like this this has to be a
0: crowd that has a penchant for comedy yeah absolutely regardless of the type of crowd that you are whether you are a bloodthirsty you know ecw type of a crowd throwing you know throwing chairs in the ring or screaming you fucked up at any mistake that's made or if you're the family of four who's went to you know wcw at the disney mgm studios in 1993 to see that rotating ring you want to be part of the show. Yeah. You know, that's the one thing. Wrestling fans want to be part of the show. Mm-hmm. And this is the best way to involve a crowd ever.
1: <laughs> I've got to say quickly, on the note of the Invisible Man, I would kill for a match between Orange Cassidy and the Invisible Man. Yeah. Can you imagine?
0: I, I, I kind of can and can't at the same time. It's like So good. I mean, that may well have happened. I'd be surprised if their paths have not crossed <laughs> at some point.
1: Yeah, they do run on the same kind of circuits, don't yeah, they? Yeah, the
0: two. enraging Jim Cornette circuits, yeah. I
1: think they're called. <laughs> so, yeah, Stan makes his way to the ring. He climbs up on the turnbuckle and we see a shot of him from below. You know, classic camera angle there, which I loved because, of course, you don't see anything. It's just invisible. Yeah. Then the Invisible Man makes his way to the ring. Everyone cheers. I like they they
0: pulled the curtains across do, as yeah. well. So, you know, they, they made their way out. You there know? was also
1: some guy who had to... He like bought a beer and he like ducked out of the way of the invisible man as because he, he was in his way a little bit had to get back into his seat. I, I just love the commitment from everyone. Like, everyone is one hundred percent committed to the performance.
0: I think what I love about this is that the man at the center of all this, Bryce Remsburg, the referee. You know, he has a background in you know improv and comedy and stuff like that that so, makes so
1: much sense
0: and i mean like you know as a kid even i wouldn't have said like oh referees they're they're performers or they're great performers mm. or anything like that because you're trained to not pay attention to them yeah like, in the best case scenario they're meant to kind of go along with what you're already seeing mm. but many of them and i would has to say most of them are very passionate wrestling fans yeah. who want to be involved in wrestling so much that they're happy to do a job that is both physically demanding monetarily less rewarding and guaranteed the spotlight will almost never be on them yeah. so actually getting to see a referee be able to say this is what I can actually fucking yeah. do is so amazing
1: and he is amazing in this match like you can see through him just exactly what is going on like it's very clear at pretty much every point of the match what moves are being done which mm. you know, as a, a newer fan who doesn't know many wrestling moves off the top of my head I could still tell, oh, that was supposed to be an Irish whip. Oh, that was a jump off the top rope. Yeah. You know, that was a near fall.
0: I mean, you've, moves and sequences, you know, identify them have never necessarily been something that you, no. you do when you're watching wrestling. But
1: like he was very careful. And I think he only chose wrestling moves that are very iconic, very noticeable yeah. and very easy to respond to. You know, there wasn't like, I'm trying to think of like a more obscure wrestling move, like a Hurricane Rana. or yeah, like yeah. anything like that. So, yeah, it was really, really amazing. And I've got to say, the commentary really put over the kayfabe of this as well. You were noticing throughout
0: kind of a lot of our research for this, you had brought up the idea that the commentators and the referees kind of are playing almost a similar role in many ways. Yeah,
1: definitely. And that you don't notice them when they're good, Mm. but you notice them when they're bad. Yeah. Like, it's really important that they do their job well, or else they're too obvious. We had a
0: referee message us saying a... bad wrestler can ruin a match mm. but a bad referee can ruin a show
1: <laughs> oh yeah and that's the same with commentary yeah
0: and i mean i think we, you often take it for granted in wrestling like kind of like of course i'm going to feel this emotion of course I, you know i meant to think this is good or this is bad and particularly when you're an older jaded fan or whatnot i think it's very easy to forget that you know stephen shepherd who requests this episode he very elegantly described it almost being like the uh, the Greek tragedy and comedy masks yeah. where they're actually there to really say like this is what we are trying to get across here right now you will not misinterpret what these wrestlers are doing because of the actions of the referee and the actions of the commentator mm. and if they're in alignment and they work well together it's a beautiful thing
1: it's almost like when you go to a live studio filmed tv show yeah. and there's a sign that says please clap yeah yeah they're, they're that sign.
0: They are, but they're not as obvious as it, are no. they? You know, you wouldn't look at a referee and, and kind of go, oh, he wants me to... Cl-. Like, I've yeah. never felt that a referee wants me to do something. Mm. But I think a referee has made me react, particularly in live wrestling. Yeah. Because when you're up close and you see a referee kind of act a certain way, it's like, okay, I'm your your head is going into where that match is going to be. Well,
1: I suppose they're the only neutral face you see, don't, mm. aren't they? Like, within the, the show, so yeah. if you're going to try and pick up on what you're supposed to feel as the audience, the referee is the best indicator of that. Yeah. But what I find quite interesting about the role of referees is that within the world of wrestling, referees are the most sports-based, of out of sports entertainment. They kind of like bring the sports element really to life.
0: If you were a non-fan and you watched... Mm. You would, I mean, you would recognise that. I mean, I'm I'm assuming you'd seen referees before. Exactly.
1: Referees are in other sports. So Mm. even if you've never seen wrestling before, you kind of, you know what to expect from a referee. You know that they keep the rules. They're a sort of authority figure to a point, but they're not part of the main sport.
0: And one time in a UK pay-per-view during the Attitude Era, a special guest referee gave vinnie jones a red card really <laughs> he did, gave him a red card
1: amazing so that was
0: a footy that was a footy reference not a power Uji reference yeah. he wasn't saying you're going down <laughs> <laughs> i did like particularly that bryce was able to through his actions make you identify tropes in wrestling yes because he did a bit at the start which is like you know this is technical wrestling indie wrestling 101 the fast sequence of roll-ups. Yes. And I actually heard you say, oh, they're doing the roll-up bit. I was like, what? (laughs) Because it was the one, two, one, two, one. And then there was the other, they did the standoff then, you know? I loved just the stances that Bryce held himself in. Mm. Just because he stood in the middle and he's looking left and right. I imagine the two wrestlers were there in a fighting pose. That was where they were.
1: Yeah, definitely. And the fact that he kind of looked between them. It was, yeah, it's just so clever the way he... The way he performed himself made it so clear just what the wrestlers were doing in the ring. Yeah. Which is, yeah, it's amazing.
0: <laughs> I like there's a part where they went into the crowd to start brawling. Yeah. You know, so the crowd are, are, are clearing their way, you know. Bryce, of course, throughout this has to wear special Joey Janela. Yes, bad
1: boy vision. Bad boy
0: vision, BBV. Uh, yeah. You have to wear those glasses if you want to see those invisible men correctly, like. <laughs> and then straight out of ECW and New Jack, they did a balcony tie.
1: They sure did. Which was so good because the audience beneath all fell down like around them just like they would have done if someone actually did a balcony dive like everyone fell over
0: can i just say for the record that people pretending to react to no like no one jumping off of a balcony got as big a reaction if not a bigger reaction than someone actually jumping off of a balcony Yeah. Like, there are times in wrestling when you realize, like, you know, like, uh, there was one time a, a couple of years ago, I think we talked about it with uh, Justine on our 205 Live episode, where Neville got as big a reaction, going to the crowd, fuck you, I'm not doing a dive, mm. to the six people who had done dives over the top rope before him. Yeah. Like, if the end game is a reaction, I just, I think it's very interesting yeah. what you can actually get without putting <laughs> anyone in harm's way whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, weren't you surprised? I mean, because we were watching the referees solely in this match, obviously. Yeah. But we watched a lot of other matches. We watched some WWE matches and some AEW matches just to watch the referees. Were you surprised as to how actually physical that it was? Oh, God,
1: yes. So physical. I mean, I always knew refereeing was physical. I knew it was like, exhausting. I knew it was almost on par with being a wrestler. Mm. But actually, I think it is. I don't think it's almost on par. I think it, like in some ways it definitely is on par in terms of like how much cardio you're doing you have to get up and down and move around the ring and you have to be aware of where you're standing all the time and not blocking the hard cam and not blocking the fans and
0: yeah you have to be like quiet as a mouse but you have to be as spry as a cat like because yeah. you have to go from one end of the ring to the other
1: and doing it really silently as well because can you imagine a referee loudly lumbering around the ring and all the attention is drawn to them it's
0: absolutely terrible yeah. I mean yeah it's really, really difficult too that's why I, I always thought like I, you know when I was always had that moment in my head thinking like oh would I be involved in wrestling I was like well you couldn't be. I was told I couldn't be a referee or I couldn't be a manager because I was too tall Yeah, you know I'd be too big and too lumbering and too distracting which yeah. is, is a fair point I guess a lot of the referees who I read like AMAs and stuff with they have training like you know quite active regimes to stay as in shape as you need to be yeah I bet you need to I do think though what's really cool there's a referee in New Japan Pro Wrestling he's effectively known as Red Shoes because he always wears a red pair of shoes yeah and like I've noticed in him when there's much longer matches and it's something I actually I fucking love because he's a kind of slightly older gentleman he gets exhausted in the longer matches but not in a way that it affects his performance okay. and the fact that he's drenched in sweat oh, and he's like cool, yeah fucking hell it's going on an hour now yeah. like, and like that really really is a great way to sell like how hard <laughs> the matches yeah. the ref is like fuck man you know <laughs> side note to that and i think you'd love this a lot people have been telling me his son, that referee, his son, is now in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Oh, yeah. So they're going to be doing angles where wow. his father is refereeing his match. I believe in the G1, they did a thing where John Moxley wrestled his son. <laughs> so obviously, he was concerned about his son in this like very dangerous environment with wow. this very you know influential, naughty wrestler. So yeah, I think there's lots of cool things you can do with these referees.
1: Stan goes for the eyes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean... Eye gouging, poking, hair pulling, yeah. going near the throat. These are all little things that refs like should be doing to make their, their kind of presence known, so mm. to speak. Were you expecting an appearance from one of your favorite wrestlers in this match? No. So Kikotaro only comes out.
1: Yeah, Kikitaru appeared took a, a bump from the invisible stand. i mean if there was
0: anyone to come in and go toe to toe with these invisible wrestlers i feel kika faking is is, is got to be up there
1: i love that we got a holy shit chant after the balcony jump and then a this is wrestling chant as well
0: you're goddamn right it is the big finish of the match there was a table set up in the corner all match long yeah were you expecting it to be in a play at any point
1: I was, but I thought the ref would be involved with it. I thought the I thought Bryce was gonna go through the table. Or oh something like, like Stan that. would would throw yeah. Bryce through, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did not expect for the two invisible men to go through the table. I don't know how they did that. And I love that. That's yeah. magical to me. That is like the perfect crossover between like magic and wrestling.
0: It was legit misdirection. Yeah. I don't know if there was like some piano wire being pulled no that we couldn't idea. see. But it was amazing. It was
1: so, so cool. I would love to see more matches between invisible wrestlers although part of me feels a bit bad because it's like <laughs> i mean it's very cheap isn't it to have yes. <laughs> invisible wrestlers but
0: i mean it was an like here's the thing i've been i knew about this match's existence it happened yeah. a few months ago from from time of record we're in december 2019 about at the moment i would have thought three minutes maybe four this was a 12 minute match yeah. Like, and they didn't, at no point was it boring.
1: No, it was really well paced. Like, it was really well paced. It was more well
0: paced than matches involving actual wrestlers. It was
1: better than pretty much every match in Survivor Series. (laughs) Like, better pacing, better psychology. And at
0: no point was I not 100% sure of what both of these men, who were invisible, Yeah. What they were doing
1: it was very clear like who was who what their characters were yeah the fact that they were brothers and they'd been feuding for a long time like the story was really good like honestly this is just a really great all-round match
0: so here's the point where i like i was even like I, I was surprised myself to the extent of which i was recognizing what was going on solely because of bryce because they didn't you know they did the, the finish of the match and it's like one two three now, obviously, you don't know who's on top and who's won. Yeah. But just by the way that Bryce stood up and then he raised the hand, I'm like, the Invisible Man won. Yeah. Because the way he raised the hand mm. is the way that you raise the hand of a good guy winning. Because yeah. if it was a heel, he wouldn't be looking like he was kind of slightly proud or happy that it was over. Yeah. He would look disgusted. <laughs> it was an absolute mind-blowing experience. It was. It
1: was, And it was such like a, the level of detail that was, I think, committed to this Because you don't really realise all the little things that referees do, that Mm. they have to do as part of a match when they can see the two wrestlers. But the fact that Bryce was able to hold in his imagination exactly what these two wrestlers were doing. Like, there was a moment towards the end of the match where Stan's shoulders were off the floor. Mm. And you could tell just from the way he was wiping his hand on the floor. (laughs) He was checking (laughs) and it it didn't, it cleared. So his shoulders were off and therefore the count ended at two. Like, it's just little bits of attention to detail that just tell this story so perfectly.
0: And the, the most beautiful thing about it is that like, on its own it's an it's an incredible performance. Mm. It's an incredible piece of wrestling. Like it's an incredible thing to see, but it is an absolute love letter and it is an absolute like proclamation of like don't overlook referees. Yeah. Because referees can fucking make a match out of literally nothing, um, nothing you yeah. know you know even if you didn't have things like the table break and stuff like that this still could have worked mm. and i thought that was an absolute phenomenal piece of business right there joe rating for invisible war 19
1: i absolutely loved this match i would recommend it to anyone new fan old fan never seen wrestling like, just anyone, everyone should watch this match. I give it five stars.
0: Whoa! Strong rack!
1: Perfect match. Yeah! There's a really interesting video that was recommended to us by quite a few people, which is an analysis of mm, this match. It's
0: a video essay, a yes. A video
1: essay, exactly. It's only like six minutes long, but it's very, very good, and I'll pop it in the recommended bonus viewing. And one of the theories about why this match works so well is because in wrestling crowd the the fans of wrestling have to commit to kayfabe like we mm. all know that wrestling is fake yeah and we kind of are willing to suspend our disbelief because we're wrestling fans and we're willing to believe in this universe and we, we want to be part of the show we be part of the show and that's even more apparent in a match like this and he refers to it as Meta fiction or meta wrestling, <laughs> and the idea that like you're committing to this kayfabe, and why shouldn't we as wrestling fans? We're already willing to believe that you know this fake sports entertainment is mm-hmm. legitimate combat. Yeah, why not? Like. Why not pretend that these two invisible wrestlers are two invisible wrestlers? But think
0: about it as well, like how many times we've looked at you know great little comedy spots and bits from like Chikara and stuff like that, or Wrestle Circus. Be it slow motion wrestling yeah. or an invisible hand grenade mm-hmm. or something like that. And the referee is the, is the person that makes it. It's the glue that holds it together, you yeah. know? I mean, we've talked greatly about the love of comedy wrestling here. Yes. And I think referees are so intrinsic. Like, if you like comedy wrestling, you need to be supporting your referees. Definitely. they're the people who can make it happen yeah. in, in a big way.
1: And on that note, I was thinking about this the other day you were telling me we happened to be watching jackass recently joe had
0: never seen the jackass movies. i had never seen
1: jackass but i love downtown which is a japanese show which is quite similar oh god
0: damn yes we were
1: doing a bit of a an exchange of medias and you showed me jackass and you mentioned that jackass were once involved in wrestling almost almost (laughs) and that they had to be taken out of the show because they laughed yeah they got
0: beaten up it was pontius chris pontius and steve-o i believe they were going to do a big angle at SummerSlam with umaga who was like kind of a samoan savage type of wrestler that they had they were like you know he was crazy over he was this killer heel and the idea was that you know they they you know they're always putting themselves at risk and then he beat the shit out of him in the ring and then the camera's panning and you could see steve-o and pontius were, were both chuckling like because mm. they, they're like it was so they were so overwhelmed i think by what happened yeah you know, they were just like what the happened when they were laughing
1: which is like you cannot do that in wrestling you can't laugh
0: there's no laughing in wrestling
1: there really there isn't unless it's like a heel going "Ah, Seth Rollins (laughs) that you don't get laughter (laughs) in wrestling it's like just you do not do it and like even more so for referees can you imagine how weird it would be if a referee suddenly started laughing at a spot And like, but imagine how hard it must be to not laugh when you've not necessarily don't know every single move that's going to happen or something doesn't go the way it does. Like the referee is the most important person to keep a neutral expression. And
0: you know, as it extends to the entirety of all the weird shit that we've talked about on this show. I mean, I think back to our first live show. We talked about all those ridiculous characters, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Oz, Plumbers, Mantor, referees with a straight face. The whole time. We saw a match
1: (laughs) at Pro Wrestling Eve about a month ago. Our friend Ash got us tickets there. And there was a match in that show which was involving a dinosaur plush backpack.
0: Yes, so Viper, a.k.a. Piper Niven on NXT UK, she had brought her emotional support animal with her, which was a plush Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yes. Which was then sold by all competitors, but primarily the referee.
1: Who took a bump.
0: Yeah, he took a tope. For, like, the, the, he went <laughs> through the ropes. Like, it was, the, the referee bumped and reacted in a way that made it seem like there was a real dinosaur in the match.
1: With a completely straight face the whole time. And you don't think of referees as being like, you have to be a good actor if no. you're a referee. You think of wrestlers as being good actors.
0: I mean, hey, it was like a hard thing to pull off, really right? Really
1: hard to pull off. And he did it in character, he, he committed to the part. He didn't, like, did under
0: He didn't undermine himself, no, I don't think. No, at all, yeah. And I think that's really, really amazing. Yeah, like, to think that the referees are are doing all of that. As well as, you know... I mean, that that was actually the show where we were watching. I was like, what's he doing there? I was pointing as he was going around to the turnbuckles. And he was making sure that the ropes were all tight. And yeah. then he was wiping them down as well. Because if anyone was going to do a springboard in a match, it couldn't be slippery and all that. So many of the the injuries that could happen in wrestling are prevented... By the referees You ever notice referee Like if something falls off uh, A wrestler or something yeah, like that Yeah they pick it up And take they pick it away it up and take it away like.
1: sometimes Those are really small little things Like pits of someone's costume Can fly yeah. off Which can be really dangerous If you slip on that You can break an ankle
0: According to Wrestling legend Joe A wrestler who he'll be doing An episode on In the not too distant future CM Punk once did a poo in the wrestling ring uh, and a referee had to pick it up and take why it out of the, did ring? He do a
1: poo in the ring. he was what? apparently
0: incredibly He was apparently incredibly unwell with flu and he was full of antibiotics and he did a little poo in the ring. So
1: it wasn't on purpose?
0: No, it wasn't like a dirty protest. A, a, a like, deliberate poo. No, the, the pipe bomb was not like a, like a, poo. a poo in the no, ring. it wasn't that <laughs> sitting there and pipe <laughs> no. Tommy Young, Great referee from back in the day. He was one of the, the main referees in the NWA, kind of during the uh, the classic Ric Flair eras of the, the, the early 80s. There was one match, I think it was like in Starrcade 86, big main event, Ric Flair's taking on Nikita Kolov, the crazy Russian who wants to take the World Championship away from him. He's a big, muscly motherfucker, like bulging out of his singlet. <laughs> Good choice of words there, Kevin, because he does a suplex to Ric Flair and his dick and balls fell out what and referee tommy young the fucking quintessential professional before the cameras could pick it up went over and just tucked him right back in as he was laying on his back because he thought he'd done this big move he was laid out it would look silly for him to tuck it in himself so he went there you go that champ wow there you go what a hero what a hero the hero that we deserve for those times oh my god now tommy young's an interesting referee to bring up because tommy young was kind of one of the early instances of a referee being like a bit of a character in of themselves, and it was quite controversial at the time, Rick Flair, the world champion, who was a bad guy, used to like to get a little bit of reaction from the audience. He'd get in the referee's face and he'd be like, What are you talking about, Tommy Young? That was a three count, and Tommy Young would be back and go, No, it was not, it was two. Back and forth, Rick would give him a bit of a shove, Tommy would give him a bit of a shove back, Rick would shove him harder, and then Tommy would shove him, and Rick would fall right on his ass. Like the referee. Knocked the world champion down.
1: Yeah, you showed me a gif of this.
0: It was fucking hilarious. Like, Ric Flair is very good at being knocked back.
1: I love it, yeah. What was it you described it as? I said it was like the Matrix dodging bullets. <laughs>
0: but the funny thing about it was that Rick got in a lot of trouble. Uh, NWA at the time was controlled by kind of a governing body or whatnot, and they were very upset that their world champion was taking bumps for a lowly referee. And he thought the referee a was... Lowly a referee. lowly referee! Yeah. Nice. I mean, a Teddy Long, who was a, one of the only black referees at the time, he he talked about a lot of hard times that he had because, you know, if he was a black man in wrestling in the yeah. 70s and 80s, not hard. Referee, which were very oftentimes treated not very good. They'd had to change in shitty conditions. You know, the wrestlers would take them for granted a lot of the time. They weren't treated as being in the same kind of stratosphere or whatnot. But I thought it's kind of... You know the idea that a referee getting a little bit of heat on a wrestler is sacrilege. Somehow, I
1: like the idea.
0: Yeah, me too. I think a referee should be able to put themselves across as an authority. Yeah. Uh, We mentioned Aubrey Edwards and Aubrey. I think it was one of the first big AEW shows, and there was a legitimate fuck up in one of the women's matches. It was the the bell rang after what was they thought was a three count, but it was a kick out, and she literally stood up with a two go no. No, it was two. Stop. The match continues right now. That's awesome. And at that point is like, okay, her word is final. Yeah. And her it, here's the thing, we're not saying the character is like, oh, she's a you know, she's this you know, badass who, you know, kicks people in the balls and she doesn't yeah. take it. No. Her character is she's a good referee. Yeah. Who does her job. That's that's <laughs> a fine character. But we've had some other characters in wrestling. And uh Aubrey was someone who we uh, got to see a very interesting piece of business from. This was also sent to us en masse. This was Aubrey and Sonny Kiss having a bit of a dance-off in a match.
1: I fucking loved this so, so, so much. Thank you so much for everyone who sent this our way.
0: This is literally Joe's idea of heaven in wrestling, I think.
1: Yeah, when I die, this is what I want to greet me at those pearly gates. (laughs) As Aubrey Edwards and Sonny Kiss dancing and refereeing.
0: So the whole thing was apparently put together by the the heel in the match. And I know that the heel knew that Aubrey had a background in dance. Yeah. So the idea was to put together this kind of sequence Involving dance.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So he says at one point he like leaves the ring, and Aubrey's like, "Come back here, come back into the ring." And he's like, "Now I know a little bit about you. You've got a dance background, and I have a theory that as soon as the music hits, your synapses will flare, and you won't be able to stop yourself from dancing to the rhythm
0: because the rhythm is infectious. Yes, and the beat is tight.
1: (laughs) Yeah." And sure enough, she's like, no, no way. And get back in this ring. And then he turns on the music and sure enough, she starts like twitching.
0: As she's still doing the referee, the referee stuff, like the the, the two thumbs back into the ring, you know, the claps, you know, it it was all very much like the, the gestures you're familiar with a referee doing that slowly were being infected with the virus of boogie.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And she is such a good dancer. She's so good. Yeah. Like just legitimately fantastic dancing in a referee outfit which i can't imagine is easy
0: and then sunny kiss gets involved and we have one of the most incredible beautiful long form dance it's like four minutes of dance yeah it's really good they involve like spots like you know the 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 heel gets pinned it's absolutely incredible and like i don't know i'm not gonna say i want that in every match
1: no no you know i love as an occasional thing that is so so fun and what a neat idea that you've got someone with a history of dance who's a referee yeah who then is controlled by the power of like that's just such a cool concept you couldn't just do with anyone you can only do it with someone w- with experience of dance because it's not a skill you can fake
0: I mean I, I understand in some respects the the hesitance almost of WWE to, to have you know big name referees or something like that or have you know have, have the wrestlers be outshined I mean that's that's a healthy concern to have. but well, I think it's gone too far yeah. the other way. Because like, I could tell you right now, when I was a kid, Teddy Long, Earl Hebner, Mike Kyoto John Cone, you know, uh, <laughs> Little Nate, Charles Robinson, Nick Patrick, John Finnegan. I had all these names. That, like, these are constant streams of names wow. that I knew just because the announcers took the time to tell me who they were. Yeah. And there's loads of referees in WWE who I really like. But I don't know who any of their names are. I know Mike Kyoto because he's still there. He's been there for 29 years or whatnot. Mm. But I think, like, there's nothing to be scared of a referee becoming a big name. No. You know? And I think the biggest example of a referee becoming a big name not for the reasons that you'd want, was Earl Hebner.
1: Yes, of course.
0: Now, do you remember Earl from back in our episode about Brad the Hitman Hart?
1: How could I forget? The man who swore on his children's lives that he didn't know what was going on with the Montreal Screwjob. Yeah. Are his kids still alive?
0: i, I have to check into that. There's funny thing about Hebner, right? Legitimate, if there was such a thing in wrestling, a refereeing dynasty. Mm. Because Earl has a twin brother, Brian Hebner, mm. and he was also a referee. Oh, right! And they actually did a thing way back in the '80s with Hogan, where like Hogan got screwed out of the championship, and they had done it that the Million Dollar Man had paid for the referee to have plastic surgery to look like the other referee. <laughs> so they explained the real life Hebner twins in kayfabe only exist because the Million Dollar Man paid for another referee to have plastic That's- surgery. To look like so Earl It's so funny. So in kayfabe, they're crooked. Wow. In reality, they have, you know, Earl, you know, he did wrong by Brett. I think Brett has since forgiven him, but I don't think a lot of fans have. The chance of you screwed Brett were, were constant throughout Earl's career.
1: Yeah, apparently, especially in Canada, he's still hated.
0: Now, what I didn't know about Earl... Is that Earl has made a little bit of a cottage industry out of screwing Bret Hart? Wow! Because when I saw Earl Hebner in a TNA house show back in 2009, when he came out to chants of "You screwed Bret," he then removed his referee shirt to reveal a shirt that said "You damn right I did." Put on a pair of Bret Hart sunglasses. Walker in the ring doing Brett's gimmick to Pink Lights and then informed us that the shirts were on sale in the concourse after the show.
1: Wow.
0: <laughs> Which is the most wrestling thing ever. That's so
1: corny. And it
0: is the it was the ugliest goddamn shirt as well. I bet. Now, people always wonder, and this is a running thing in the Share podcast, that I've always had a, a bad taste in my mouth about Earl Hebner and I always talked about him being shifty and shady. Earl and his brother were with WWE for nearly 20 years. They only lost their job because WWE found out that they were taking merchandise without their consent and selling it in their sportswear store.
1: Well, that's very sleazy.
0: Yeah, so any references to Earl Hebner refs the match during the show, is out in the parking lot with the box of t-shirts after the show that's why that's why he no longer referees for the wwe
1: wow
0: he <laughs> was stealing from them
1: Fucking but hell. there you
0: go but as a kid i was trying to explain this to you that earl hebner was a like w- hero he was my hero
1: yeah like, that's
0: so weird did you know like, did i explain to you the kind of why that was
1: he was being bullied by triple h yeah he kept like pushing him around and stuff and then he finally stood up to him and pushed him back and he either bounced off the ropes or he fell off the ring apron or something and land on his bum
0: he stood up to triple h he was the big bully mm. and it's funny now because triple h he idolized and modeled so much of his career after rick flair i
1: think we're gonna say after earl. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what you did in montreal really was great earl. <laughs> but uh yeah he obviously was kind of going for the tommy young thing i think again right and the idea was that you know he was getting a bit of heat you know from pushing earl around earl was like if if you put your damn hands on me again like I'm going to sue you and like you have to promise you'll never touch me as long as I'm a referee I'm like absolutely you have my word and then Stephanie fires him and they beat up Earl Hebner. For me as a kid I was like wow this little old man is standing up to the big bully Triple H and as a kid who was bullied I was like yay Earl Hebner. And I did only realise now as an adult that that was just basically intensive character rehabilitation <laughs> for a man who had been marred by the Montreal Screwjob. Right the
1: focus groups that would have been sent to, uh, what do you think of this new Earl Hebner?
0: <laughs> that one kid in the glasses really likes Earl. <laughs> so Earl Hebner had a counterpart in WCW. That was Nick Patrick, whose dad was also a referee. And Nick Patrick, throughout his time in WCW, was always the baddie referee. He was the NWO's personal referee. They'd have him come out. And he was always crooked. And historically, the thing he's known for most is messing up a big match between Hulk Hogan and Sting, where he was... Remember I told you about the thing with the fast count and the minute yeah. have Bret Hart come out and say, referee's not going to screw this up. He's the guy who went down and just went, one, two, three. And then Bret Hart's like, no, that's wrong. Right? Not <laughs> Not tonight. So, oddly, we had a lot of requests for this one, and I'm not sure if this is even a match, but we're watching it. This is Nick Patrick versus Earl Hebner, referee versus referee from Invasion 2001.
1: With Mick Foley as guest special referee.
0: Yes, so we get to see a special guest referee at last. Yes. Um, Joe, what were your thoughts going into this? What were you expecting to see from two referees wrestling?
1: I thought it would be really crap. Like I just thought it would be bad acting, bad selling, bad wrestling. Because
0: something that we saw a few times mentioned in some of the videos and stuff that we watch in terms of advice given by referees, one that stuck with me was it was one of them saying. If you're taking a bump as a referee, you shouldn't bump like like a wrestler. Yeah. Like, what what do you think that means?
1: So I'm guessing that means you shouldn't look like you know how to fall. Yeah. But, like, how do you not... How, if you know how to fall, how do you not look like you know how to fall? Because that's, like, then you have to teach yourself to fall incorrectly.
0: You'll see a lot of the referees will kind of almost, like, ragdoll, kind of. Right. Like, they'll go limp with the throne to the corner to make it look like, you know, they've been overpowered by this big, strong wrestler or whatever. But I think like what they say is they don't want like a wrestler to be like you know take a flat back bump Mm. like they've just been given a move. So you will often see referees when they get struck in the corner or whatever, kind of look a little bit awkward. Mm. But that is for the most part an intentional thing. Right. I don't know if that means that you're very excited to see them wrestle. No. (laughs) What did you think to the big video package that was hyping this one up? Did you like the promos and the acting that we saw?
1: Oh God, it was not very good, was it?
0: It was like a porn about referees. (laughs) why don't you keep your damn referee shirts on the other side of this locker room why don't you keep your damn referee shirts why don't we just take these referee shirts yes, off let take Let's them take off, them yeah. off? <laughs> and they're both very sexy obviously No, oh,
1: of course yeah you know?
0: uh, Nick Patrick who's got the square head which means that he could be played by Danny McBride yeah and who
1: would we... play Earl Hebner then
0: <laughs> Earl Hebner hmm it had to be someone you think is sweet but turns out to be evil like John Hart or something like that <laughs> he turns out to be a betrayer in disguise so the evil referees come out, there with WCW, and then the good guy referees come out with WWF.
1: Which is ridiculous, because the WWF referees, there's like 10 of them, and the WCW ones, there's three.
0: Like, I can't begin to tell you how much I was just naturally drawn to that group of WWF referees, because it's just like my childhood in a lineup yeah. there. I was just like, the lads, there they are now. <laughs> like, there's Teddy, you know, there's, there's Mike, all, they're all there now. I don't know if you noticed... The blonde referee with WCW, uh, with the, the big blonde hair, he's also the guy who did the big, long, dramatic run I showed he you. He looked
1: familiar, yeah.
0: That's Charles Robinson. Charles
1: Robinson, right.
0: Uh, he's uh, been a referee with WWE for a long time. But back in WCW, the reason he has blonde hair in KFAPE is that Ric Flair took a shine to him and said he was Little Nate. So he started dyeing his hair blonde and he would referee Ric Flair's matches and show favouritism to Ric Flair because he. You know, wanted to look like it. Right. Even came out in a sparkly robe a couple wow. of times.
1: So yeah, there's
0: like, there's so many instances of referees having these little storylines, little yeah. stories and characters. They don't break the show, you know. That's yeah, just a bit of fun. Just a bit of fun, exactly. So. The actual action of the match, then, oh, Joe, dear. which the crowd—I should point out—are very into. This match, obviously, there's a lot on the line. I had it on good authority. Earl Hebner swore in his kid's lives he was going <laughs> to win this match. So you know, and there's a speeding car waiting for him if he wins. Like so, you know,
1: they were both quite spry. They were actually. They were both really energetic. I was surprised by just how much energy they both had. But I guess that's it. If you're a ref, you have to have insane cardio. Yeah. So you would energetically wrestle, I guess. Like, this certainly isn't no Randy Orton half assing it. Like, no, They're absolutely. really going for it.
0: I mean, this is the one time we get to see referees finally go at it and they're showing us what we're missing, basically. Yeah,
1: which actually isn't much, though, because they don't really do much wrestling.
0: In the most referee thing ever, Mick Foley's special guest referee, breaks up a group of referees fighting another group of referees as two referees try and get to their feet. The crowd start chanting foley as a result of <laughs> it, like officiating. <"A> <laughs> there's a big ref brawl, which means they're all thrown out. That's another thing that referees have to do, where they have to point out if there's someone who's interfering in a match and go, you're out of here. Yeah. that's one of my favourite things in wrestling oh really yeah I mean there's certain wrestlers who sell being thrown to the back yeah like Ric Flair if you've ever seen him thrown to the back he'll like sweat through his shirt and like rip up his clothes
1: amazing (laughs) I wonder how you sweat on demand like that
0: uh, cocaine's a hell of a drug that's all (laughs) I'll say Earl Hebner hits the spear and manages to pick up a win, a match which is notable for both men working the entire thing and taking bumps and doing moves and keeping their shirts tucked in the entire time.
1: Yeah, pretty impressive.
0: Does this get a star rating? Does it qualify for a star rating? Yeah,
1: I gave it one out of five stars. So
0: it received one star, implying not a complete lack of value whatsoever.
1: No, I I gave it one for energy.
0: One for energy. Yeah. You know I think this speaks to? It probably speaks to the fact that this was a, a big deal for a lot of people Yeah, because they got to see their referees have a spotlight shot on them for once.
1: Yeah, maybe if I cared more about these referees, I would have enjoyed the match more. Like, what did you think of this match as a young Earl Hebner fan?
0: I fucking... Adored it.
1: Really? I
0: absolutely adored it. And because WWF hadn't actually done while I was watching, other than obviously, you know, having a lot, there was a lot of special guest referees during the Ashi era. Vince Russo loved to have, you know, with the Vince and Austin stuff. He was constantly having special guest refs. So I was familiar with that. But the idea of, of the actual head official for the company being completely crooked, like Nick, he would go for a 3K and then be like, oh, tendonitis. You know, and Jim Ross would be like, well, I'd like to give him the benefit of the doubt, but, you know, like, the the, the commentators were like, wait, a referee is breaking the rules? Like, they, at the start, they were like, wait, no, that can't be. He's,
1: it's,
0: <laughs> he's obviously just had a mistake, like, or, like, he'd be like, one, two, oh, no, my contact lens, you know? <laughs> and, you know, that for me was just absolutely, like, a perfect storyline. So seeing him get beaten up and by all my, you know, the, the heroes of wrestling, like, yeah. all these referees who never got any sort of a mention... It was very special for me, so yeah. I think a lot of sentimental value. I think like if you were to do this now, like if you were to do like the NXT refs versus the WWE refs, that would be rubbish. Nah, don't want to say it like you know. No, because
1: you've not built up the characters.
0: Don't care about them. What's very interesting is when we're talking about referees as characters. It's about the kind of mobility of like referees who are characters who then become non-referees and then wrestlers. We talked a lot in the commentary episodes. A lot of wrestlers become. Commentators. Yes. But if a wrestler became a referee, that would be like, oh.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. It would definitely be seen as like a demotion.
0: Like Drake Quertz, you'll know him if you see him, referee on WWE, he did NXT for a long time. Oh yeah, him. You know you know old Drake. Yeah. Do you know about his history? No. Drake Wirtz, who was a referee in WWE, he was in NXT for a long time he's a former czw champion deathmatch wrestler oh wow like legitimate jimmy havoc more than you know proper gore guts i mean look at his foreheads Th- those aren't wrinkles those are scars oh, really? you know this man is cut up to fuck and i remember when he got signed and people were like oh my god they're signing drake can you believe it and it's like he's becoming a referee so many people were like i can't believe that that's so disrespectful why would he he's, he's just a referee or like um, little Guido, is someone we we saw in our Tajiri episodes. and you know, one of my fav wrestlers as a kid, he became a referee for WWE for a bit, and people were like, "Oh my God! It's like what? What a demotion! Mm. He's he's just a referee." And I think there's a stigma attached to it. Yeah.
1: And well, it, it probably st- isn't helped by the fact that WWE doesn't like to talk about their referees. Yeah.
0: Doesn't give them names. I mean, you don't. The fact that this guy's been refing the whole time you've been watching, and you know they've never said, "Hey, that guy." Yeah. You know, he was tits deep and broken glass and barbed wire last decade.
1: Yeah. And the fact that it's already it's a really hard job. Mm. Like the fact that you have to be so physically fit. It's such a demanding role. You have to be there first to set up the ring, and you have to be there last to clear the ring away. Yeah. And have, clear all the chairs away, probably at the end. Like, it's a horrible, hard job. And the fact that you don't get any fame or glory or nearly the same income as, like, professional wrestlers do.
0: I mean, there was an interesting little mini-Doc WWE did with uh, Mike Kyoto recently, who's their longest-tenured referee. He's been there for, like, 29 years, you know, trained with Gorilla Monsoon. And, you know, a large part of his job is training referees as well. So, I mean, they're, they're involved at so many levels. Like, they're yeah. kind of like they're self-organizing, self-training and all that, you know. So there's so much that they have to do. But I mean, like, on the point of a referee having a bit of a character, there's a clip I saw earlier on, on Aubrey Edwards' AMA, and I was like, what's the worst bump you took in wrestling? And she's like, oh, it's this one. And it's Ray Phoenix from the Lucha Bros just brutally kicking her in the side of a head. And the reaction from the audience, yeah. like, I can't, I like it literally, it's like a, the most horrible, heinous thing that's ever happened. Yeah. And if you know of a referee's name, and you just know them more than as a prop or a thing, Yeah. It means more when something happens to them.
1: It does, yeah.
0: You know, like Drake there, for instance... I think the fact that he's been through hardcore wars and stuff... If you had a hardcore match and he was the referee... That in itself tells a little bit of a story. Yeah, this definitely. match is so extreme, we've had to get the guy who has experience in barbed wire and nails to yeah. make sure that it's okay. Because he'll know if it's gone too far.
1: And similarly, that tells the story of like it's so dangerous. Yeah. The referee has to be qualified to do this type of match because it can't just be done by any old referee. It has to be someone with experience in weapons.
0: Hell in the Cell 2019, that shitty finish with Seth Rollins and the Fiend. Yeah. If this guy had been established that we knew he was deathmatch and he had a promo saying, look i know when enough's enough yeah i've got the scars to prove it and that was too much and that would have been like no questions yeah asked. yeah it's legitimate now so referees and characters that's an interesting one there's a few avenues we want to maybe pursue here we had a fan tweet us saying make sure you spend some time talking about earl hebner's twitter and i didn't pay much heed to it but joe went off and has done some research And you've been hopping on a leg all morning.
1: As soon as someone mentions looking at someone's social media, I'm all over that. Yeah. (laughs) And this is a treat. Okay. Earl Hebner uses Twitter. Kind of like if your parents were Donald Trump.
0: That's a very distressing thing to make people think this close to the holidays. Thank you very much.
1: So I've got some choice (laughs) tweets. Okay. Here's a good one. It's good Two. the number two... Be great in capital letters and modest what yeah that's one okay just had a double count out with two big macs at mcdonald's tried bk but they wouldn't let me haven't my way what's happened
0: has my dad accidentally accessed earl Hebner's account it's
1: important to note there's lots of spelling errors there's lots of double spaces there's lots of like abbreviated text and things it's it's
0: it's very much like when there's a politician and then they go back like to you know 2011 it's like look how they used twitter in 2011 it's like twitter full stop c-o-m forward slash reply
1: here's another good one At. at at okay
0: 78 likes eh? "I'm mad, I'd kill for action like that." These are no, great.
1: That's 78 retweets.
0: Oh, excuse me, look at those metrics.
1: <laughs> After being fired, phone has not stopped ringing. Lots of offers. Just waiting for high bidder. It's good to be great.
0: If there wasn't a blue tick here, I swore this would be a roleplay account. Like a really bad roleplay account. (laughs) Like, the fact that they're they're only allowed to do it, like, yeah, right, you can roleplay on our eFed, but you you can just be the referee, yeah? Because we don't don't want you to ruin our (laughs) storylines.
1: Here's another one. Like I just said, who could be me, no one? And by the way, damn right I did.
0: I think that's an allusion to screwing Bret Hart.
1: Ah, okay.
0: Um, I don't think even the hitman could decipher that one. Just so you know, folks, this is at the Earl Hebner. Yeah. And there is a blue tick.
1: There is a blue tick. And this is another good one. What a great picture. No, there's no picture.
0: Is that why you only got 20 likes on that one then?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Here's another one. Five, four, eight, one, five, three.
0: I think what he was saying there, Joe, was 548,143.
1: <laughs> He's got a lot of tweets about obviously building on his character, as you were saying, he's made himself a bit of like a, a brand around the Montreal Screwjob.
0: Yeah, and, and being a bit of like a, a ladies' man because there was a thing as well. And t- like anytime I, I saw TNA live a couple of times and they did the same spot, which it would be... The him refing the women's championship match or whatever, and like Angelina Love and Madison Rain both kiss him in the match to gain his, fa- you know, wow. He'd be like, oh, hubba hubba, like you know, every time without fail, like how shit, like
1: fucking hell. <laughs> Actually, on that note, I have the hottest chicks, hottest lips than any ref in world. I guess I am a no, knockout. No, that's
0: Eam. 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 eam.
1: I'm. <laughs> <laughs> i am a knockout myself for tna knockouts who can be me no one
0: i am so fucking
1: They're so good i can i, I keep going
0: please do wait there's one about me
1: oh yes i, I, I got one for you oh Grace, yeah. kevin you should go to church this sunday i will pray for you myself this is
0: obviously my dad now i'm <laughs> 100% sure alive. he wants me back for the christmas mass
1: Getting ready to make honest living by counting one, two, three, and okay. Love all my fans. Yeah. He's kind of describing what it's like to be a referee I think
0: so, yeah, yeah.
1: There's a few others where he kind of describes the importance of like of the referee. Now, I noticed
0: you went back in time a little bit for these. Is that because Earl has, has ceased to, to, to tweet? He
1: doesn't tweet very often.
0: Right, so you're able to get back to one, three quite quickly there, it Yeah, seems. I'm actually in
1: 2012 at the moment, yeah. <laughs> Thinking about my matches tonight, fans. Want me to cheat for Madison? That's not my style. I'm famous for my honesty, no way.
0: Well, that's obviously for the house show coming up for TNA, you know?
1: Another one about refereeing, you can't abuse me, I will make you look like a shithead in front of 10,000 people.
0: I'll tell you what, Earl Hebner, I feel like I had an awful, I need to say a couple of things in his defense with regards to his refereeing. yeah. He'd get the vein and his eyes, like he would get angry. Yeah. You know, and he would admo- he would get so, like he would go bright red in the face. And Earl was one of those guys who would look physically exhausted as a match progressed, you know, yeah. which I loved. And like he would get, like, if a re- he was doing something bad for the whole match, you'd see him get distraught and be like pleading with them and begging with them. And he was really good. I mean, he was WWF's head referee for, for years and years and yeah. years for good reason.
1: So I've got two more here. Shall yeah. I read them? Okay,
0: please, please.
1: I am the greatest of all times. You fans are jealous of me. None of you can be me. So get alive and move on with yours, Brian H U two. Okay, who's Brian? His brother. Ah, I don't know why fans
0: H U two. not hate. just H.
1: Yeah, H U two.
0: Okay, that's our spinoff podcast. Is this? Yeah, H U two. This is why we just talk about you two. <laughs>
1: I don't know why fans are upset with me. It was a honest call. I would never cheat anyone out of a match. It was Tara's fault. She was sleeping.
0: <laughs> so that's had Habner
1: on Twitter, folks.
0: That's uh that not since John Cena's Instagram have we found such a treasure trove. <laughs> goodness gracious me and unlike sandman this social media i don't think there's any way this can be ruined he's already kind of ruined it himself like in his own way so we talked about maybe characters in wrestling and how it could be you know for referees it can be a benefit and whatnot and you know sometimes referees can transcend that role i mean teddy long became primarily known as being the general manager you know smackdown for many many years Bill alfonso and ecw he went from being that heel referee to being the heel manager of rob van damme and sabu and taz so he was a big character but it doesn't always work very very well or in any way that you would want it to when wwe decides they're going to make the referees into a character enter tim white oh
1: no one of my
0: all-time faves growing up timmy white was an absolute gent because tim white ...was a referee who also owned a bar called the Friendly Tap... ...and back in the Attitude Era they'd have barroom brawls... ...and very often Tim White's Bar... ...this little tiny pokey pub down in Rhode Island... ...would get smashed up by the likes of the Dudley Boys... ...the Acolytes etc... ...and the the boss man and Bulby kind of be throwing stuff... ...it'd be great... He had this bar, and he had it be used for brawls, and he was a referee. And he also was Andre the Giant's handler back in the day. Oh, wow. So it was his job to basically make sure Andre could get from place to place comfortably. You know, he was his, his guy at all times. Unfortunately, and this is a reality in wrestling, I don't think people realize, you know, we talked about referee being a very physically demanding role. But, you know, injuries can happen in any case. And sometimes those injuries happen in the course of a match when they're taking a spot that seems like it could be totally harmless. Mm. He's in a Hell in a Cell match with Triple H and Chris Jericho. He's on the ring apron and then someone goes into the ropes. He's meant to kind of go off and bump into the cell. And he goes off and he smashes his elbow. Completely messes up his arm. The arm that he uses for counting. It was really, really horrible. It basically meant that he couldn't referee ever again. Oh,
1: that's sad.
0: He did come back for one match, but I believe literally as he was making the count... Just doing the count, it, yeah. it fucks up your arm. I don't know if you saw Mike Chioda, the senior referee who they did that little dock with. He's got a massive elbow pad on because he's had constant elbow and arm pain oh, no. from doing those big
1: count slides. Do you have to use one particular arm?
0: I, thought, I always thought it was the left hand, but I think it could be depending on what side you're on. Hmm. In- interesting question. Let's put that one out to, the, uh, to our dozens of new referee followers that we now have. But Tim White could no longer referee. But don't worry, pal, because Vince McMahon's got a role for everyone, even referees who we don't want to emphasize on TV anymore. WB.com pal. We got a new new fun series with Josh Matthews and erstwhile referee Tim White. And what's it called, Joe?
1: What do you mean what's it called? I don't know what's called.
0: Oh, you don't know the title?
1: No. Oh. It's called Lunchtime Suicides.
0: Yeah. And Joe and I managed to find all but one of these still up on YouTube. They were taken off WWE's website eons ago.
1: I wonder which one was deleted
0: the one that was taken off is the one at the very first one all right Right. because in the very first one it's it's to build up to a new hell in the cell match that they're doing and they want to get over that the hell in the cell is like really crazy dangerous it changes people like oh Foley went off the hell in the cell he was never the same and they sent roving reporter and former tough enough contestant josh matthews to go to the friendly tap and interview tim wyans like tim you never were able to referee after that hell in the cell match it kind of changed your life and then Tim pulls out a shotgun and is like, yeah, I'm going to kill myself now. And he, well,
1: it doesn't though, does he? He doesn't, he doesn't say anything he ever. Doesn't.
0: He's quiet. But he's basically implying that he's so depressed because of his life being ruined by Hell in the Cell that he's opted to take his own life and shoot himself off camera. Yeah. And then we picked up on the second episode. Yes. Which happened that he had not killed himself.
1: Yes. He had shot himself in his toe instead somehow i don't know how you aim for the head and hit your toe but
0: inconsistencies is the name of the game here with with lunchtime suicides
1: so josh matthews is like we're really glad that you're feeling a bit better we're here for an interview and then tim white decides to eat rat poison
0: yeah and what comes very very apparent very early on is that vince mcmahon doesn't think depression is a real thing. No. Or if it is a thing, it's not a sickness or an illness. No. Because every time they're like, "Oh, Mister White, your disease, your depression. It's so bad." Like they talk about it the way South Park talked about alcoholism in that episode where they ridicule people calling it a disease. Right. Like Vince McMahon clearly thinks that he's just got a case of the blues and cheer up, pal. Yeah. You know? No one sneezed. Why would you be upset?
1: Like, there's one time where they go to a like a, a lab, a chemical lab, yep. and they're trying to find the, the treatment, they're trying to create the treatment for depression. Yeah,
0: they're going to find out in this medical facility. Yeah, using like. all
1: these chemicals and test tubes and what have you. And while there Tim White gives himself mad cow disease.
0: Now Joe, as we all know from ITV and Atten Deck, the solution to all mental health crisis is just to have a chat with each other.
1: Yeah, it's just to talk.
0: So everyone do that now. Right, now that everyone's sorted out their mental health problems yeah, forever. Yeah, everyone's cured. That was good of us to do that, I We've think.
1: We've solved depression.
0: I feel good about myself now. Me
1: too. And the way
0: that Ant and Deck must feel good about themselves. Let's
1: take a second to pat each other on the back.
0: Thanks, Joe. Good work. <laughs> <laughs> so, had Mac, he had mad cow disease. What other ways did uh, Mr. White unwisely try to kill himself, Joe?
1: He hanged himself. Mm-hmm. He went into a bathtub and dropped a toaster in Mm -hmm. the bath, so he electrocuted himself. He suffocated himself with a plastic bag.
0: Yeah, he'd obviously been watching the old Ric Flair, Terry Funk, I quit match, like
1: he slit his wrists.
0: That, that was, that, there were certain points like where at the start it was quite like, with the rat poison he eats he's like, bleh, 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 like it's a silly sound effect. Yeah. Like, you know, it's a really, as if there's like silly fun ways you can show someone being killed Yeah, themselves. well like the mad
1: cow disease one is quite silly. It's cartoony, like he's a big green jar. Yeah.
0: But the one where he slits his wrist, he literally pulls out a razor and he's like, and he's like, like right Beliefly. in front. In front of the camera yeah. and like anime levels of blood. Yeah. It was
1: quite in poor taste. Really in poor taste. Now, I I have suffered with suicidal thoughts my whole life. Mm-hmm. And as someone who has, I find certain themes of suicide used in comedy to be quite funny. I believe there's a way to, to do it sort of... Maybe not tastefully, but I would think there's a way to make it funny without it being, like, in really poor taste. So what you're
0: basically saying is someone who's been affected by this issue... Yeah, in, for me personally... For you personally, a blanket ban saying you can never make fun yeah. of this. Like.
1: No, I, I make I make suicide jokes sometimes, and I feel like I can do that because I've attempted suicide a few times in my life. Okay. And so sometimes I find suicide jokes quite funny when they're done right and done well. They can make me chuckle. I
0: I I I hazard to ask you this, and feel free not to not to to answer. But like ha, for me, like I I personally can't see suicide jokes being funny. Yeah. But I've I've not been through that myself yeah. personally. So I mean, like many people might struggle to see how a suicide joke could be funny. Is it just in a morbid sense or?
1: There's, yeah, there's a certain morbid side to it, but it's it's hard. It's there's there's a thin line I think because mm. there's a way to do it that's like kind of a bit silly and like ridiculous. Like the mad cow disease thing made me chuckle. Yeah. I thought that was quite a fun, silly way. I used to have this book of like bunny suicides. People oh, yeah. may remember it, it was really so on trend. You were
0: a teenager in the oh, yeah. early two thousands. I was a teenager in <laughs> the early two thousands. The sign of a new labor teenager. Yes. Right there. <laughs> bunny suicides and evanescence on the CD player. Like. <laughs> <laughs>
1: The suicides in the bunny suicide book the reason it was funny was because they were all absolutely ridiculous mm. like it was really convoluted ways of killing a, yes. a bunny these were just for the most part they were just real ways of people killing themselves like i, I have a friend who killed himself mm. and i i would think it was very poor taste for someone to like for them to joke about tim white say walking in front of a train yeah i don't think it's n- good taste to have him slit his wrists or shoot himself or hang himself or put the just, car exhaust fumes in like there's, there's, these are just like too, they're too realistic they're too used and people could watch this and go, oh that's a good way to actually kill myself I'll do that then. Because you know,
0: as, as someone who's done stand-up and like, you know, I've I've done stand-up about some kind of I've done stand-up about some topics that I would say, you know, are topics that you would na- need to maybe be a bit more considered about and not just yeah. do flippantly and blindly. Like, you know, I, I did stand-up about, like, you know, I did stand-up about my struggles of dealing with my granny going through dementia, mm. you know, which which I admit in now in the past wasn't to everyone's taste. Mm. It was something that I thought helped me process it a little bit. But I think when you were dealing with matters like that, to quote McFoley quoting The Wizard of Oz, those matters must be handled very delicately, my dear. Yeah. And, you know, if they're going to go to the extent of saying, right, we're going to do like 16 episodes, I think it was. Yeah. And like the first episode is like, right, he shoots himself... But he accidentally shoots himself in the toe and he's got a big comedy bandage. What?
1: Why? He fucked you know. it up again. Or, like,
0: he tries to hang himself, but he's too heavy, so it falls and he breaks down. But then there's one where it's just like, and then he walks off camera and shoots himself again. Yeah. And then next week he's just fine for no reason. Yeah. You know, that, that stuff like that's like, there were just, like, there was obviously meetings where they're like, I'll oh, just fucking just kill him then. Like. Just kill him, yeah. You know, it's not funny or it's not well thought out.
1: Yeah. And then there's ones like at one point he he calls the suicide hotline that they've got,
0: which obviously Vince has got real strong opinions about, it, yeah. like because they, they cut to someone's like, oh no no puppy dogs and rainbows, yeah like, for fuck's sake. Come on, now I mean let's say that. Suicide hotlines aren't without their own issues sometimes, but, yeah, I, but mean, I just don't
1: think it's a good thing, right? Yeah, you don't need to make fun about suicide hot. <laughs> like, what? Where's the humor there? They're doing really good, important, life-saving work.
0: Impossibly hard work. Yeah, you what's know?
1: funny about that? I don't like even, even as someone who finds suicide occasionally funny, I don't find suicide hotline. That's that's not. They're not funny. It's a little
0: bit of a step too far, maybe, is, is what they're, they're I doing, I think. I just don't
1: see wh- where the humour is in that subject.
0: If it's there, it's, it's certainly not for, for me to find. I, I can't find it, you know?
1: Like, I think maybe the reason I find certain suicide things funny is because, like, there have been really stupid things in my life. And this is very personal, but whatever. We'll get personal. There have been stupid things in my life that have made me want to kill myself. Mm. Like, one time, I dropped an egg on the floor. And I was like, well, I may as well just fucking kill myself. And that is so stupid. What a stupid, like, over-the-top reaction. But I can't help the way my brain has responded to these negative situations. It's
0: depression, It's it's a sickness. It's
1: depression. That's how it is. And it's only the fact that I'm able to see the humour in that afterwards and go, well, that was really silly. What a silly reason to Mm. want to end your life. Of all the things that have happened in this great world, that is a stupid reason.
0: I think you've earned the right to laugh at that. I've earned the right to laugh laugh at myself.
1: So I thought, you know, there is potential, there's grounds for humour there without it just being like ha ha you fucked it up or ha ha depression's really funny like there's there's ways of making jokes about depression yeah. without it just being like I don't know just laughing at people for the sake of it
0: and I think like what was very shocking to me you know I, I'd watched these before I watched these back in the day as as they went went out on, on com. Mm. I remember being like think it was like this kind of like, this like, dirty little secret that was like you know WD weren't really talking about but they were making them and they made so many of them. Mm. But I was turning to you and was like, well you gotta understand Joe this is you know, two thousand and three or two thousand and four. And then <laughs> no, I was like wait it's no not. it's two thousand and six <laughs> two thousand and six <laughs> oh, less than a year before the Chris Benoit tragedy as well oh, like God. you know which is like wow to really think about that that's absolutely insane and I don't know what what actually made me realize that it was 2006 is that one of the skits they did was on the road to WrestleMania. It was WrestleMania 22 and I knew it was WrestleMania 22 because they did a skit where Mr. White was in a car and he rigged up the gas exhaust to mm. kill himself with carbon monoxide poisoning. By the way, Tommaso Ciampa has come out very recently with a very, you know, very personal, uh, you know, very open story about his Experience of trying to commit suicide through that exact means. Mm. WWE playing up for yucks there anyway, regardless. Yep. But they have him kill himself to Peter Gabriel's big time, which was the theme for WrestleMania 22. Right. Now, Peter Gabriel, many things to many people, but I don't know if Peter Gabriel, when he was signing the contract that WWE used big time for WrestleMania 22, they're like, yeah, we're going to have a man kill himself. Such a big time.
1: If you're gonna kill yourself to any Peter Gabriel music, kill yourself to "My Head Sounds Like That." Come on, come <laughs> on! Are you an amateur at this? Come on.
0: Well, there you found a way to find the humor in suicide. There it is. Yeah. Like.
1: so I, I want to quickly run through just all the ways Tim White gleefully tries to kill himself.
0: Please, oh, and that's Some, the glee is an important point. The glee there is as important.
1: Where... He is so gleeful to commit suicide. Uh, he
0: laughs like Muttley from Wacky Races.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Like he's going to finally get that, you know, sweet release. Can't
1: wait to finally end it all. Yay. So, he shoots himself. He Mm -hmm. eats rat poison. He hangs himself. He electrocutes himself. He suffocates himself with a plastic bag. He slit his wrists. He shot himself again. He drowned himself in a fish tank. He gave himself mad cow disease. He strangled himself with a telephone cable whilst on the line to a suicide hotline. He suffocated himself with car fumes, set to Peter Gabriel. He threw himself into a giant metal fan. For fuck's sake. He hired a hitman to snipe him in the head with armor-piercing bullets. They
0: specified those bullets,
1: as well. and you see it go into his skull. But they say they say he was so thick-skulled that he managed to like somehow the r- bullet ricocheted off his skull and For he survived. For fuck's
0: sake!
1: And then there's a, a montage of his suicide attempts after like every attempt he makes they do this little suicide they do this little montage of like the other attempts he's made and it's set to a midi track of pop goes the weasel <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. While he's slitting his wrists.
0: Uh, Josh Matthews, of course, thrives, who could best be described as a man in 2006 struggling with hair products.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's very strange, this whole relationship they have. They they start off as being sort of strangers. Colleagues. colleagues and by the end of it, they're apparently best friends. And because a... that's what best friends do, is yeah. they repeatedly try to kill themselves in front of each other.
0: Yeah, and uh, of course, there's the catchphrase as well, which is,
1: Mr. White, that's not wise. yes. The famous catchphrase. And then we finally end with Tim White shooting Josh Matthews and he finally gets to speak and he says, Josh, that was not wise.
0: And the big twist of it all is that Josh Matthews is still alive. Is he? He is, yeah. He didn't get shot. Oh. That, was, that was special effects. It was a work. It's what it was. Okay. That, uh, to, to put it lightly, WWE was not wise. <laughs>
1: Seriously.
0: <laughs> You know what? I think in terms of WWE and their, you know, they, they definitely like to say philanthropy is, is big business and charity is big business and all that. And I've noticed now with WWE, they have a podcast network and there's a lot of wrestlers who are starting to talk now in various podcasts, Lillian Garcia's and otherwise about their struggles with mental health. All I'll say is WWE be prepared because your track record on this subject is it's leaves something to be desired. So before you get yeah. into the business of, you know, because I mean, I think it's up to the wrestlers themselves to talk about those issues and all that. Yeah. But, you know, there's there's no more than their issues they've had with uh, the LGBTQ community and, and, and others. They've they've fucked the bed and they shit the bed in the past with this. You they know,
1: fucked the bed. <laughs> they fucked the bed. I like that. <laughs> you you <laughs> fucked the bed, WWE. <laughs> I like the idea of fucking the bed because it's like, pathetic and gross yeah and aggressive as well <laughs> yeah. at the same
0: time <laughs> now something i wanted to just touch on before we get into our, our tweets and facebook messages really interesting thing that's happened from this and from both stephen shepherd referees as wizards who you absolutely need to check out on twitter for a more canonical proof that all referees are wizards yeah but Remember, not all wizards are referees.
1: No, no. That's okay. an important distinction. Very yeah.
0: important distinction.
1: Dumbledore, Gandalf, neither of them were referees.
0: No, Saruman wouldn't trust him at all. Can you
1: imagine? <laughs> imagine how great that would be in a wrestling match if you had Saruman, the heel referee. Yeah, the two wrestlers go to the
0: outside <laughs> instead of doing a turn gate. goes... <laughs> that would be great. Like.
1: I would love to see like a comedy wrestling match. Like Take the whole yes. r- referees as wizards thing further. And have a match with a referee being a wizard with magical powers. i got to
0: say it right now. Attack Pro Wrestling, Riptide Breed, Pro Wrestling Eve. We've, we've got, you know, friends and pals in a whole bunch of different independent wrestling organisations. And UK, a lot of people are grumbling about Brit wrestling at the moment. And while there's some of the most amazing referees on the circuit at the moment are on the British independent scene... Let's have a referee as a wizard. The gauntlet has been thrown down. Yeah, someone's got to do it, and if you don't do it, someone else will.
1: I think Bryce Remsburg's the man to do it. You think so? Yeah. I want to happen
0: in the UK. I feel the UK is where this whole thing started. Like, yeah, you know? I would. I, it's got to happen, folks. Okay. We we got to see it soon. But on that point, Stephen Shepherd did, did pointed out that something that he's been doing, which is watching wrestling matches and solely focusing on the referee itself, which is like adds a whole other dimension to it and I'll say definitely try it yeah because it will teach you things about the referee spots and the referee's role you would never th- have thought to, to realize like yeah. we watched a lot of Aubrey Edwards stuff from recent episodes of AW Dynamite and I was watching her very intently and certain things I didn't notice like the counts at the start of the match compared to the counts at the end of the yes,
1: match yes i didn't realize that either they change speed
0: they do and they change the loudness and they change the cadence of it because yeah. if you're coming straight away with the full emotion of one two or ch- if, if someone puts you in a submission hall at the start and you're like oh come on come on you're gonna you're gonna tap you're right up in their face yeah. you know the submissions at the start they just check to see their airways are clear are they okay submissions at the end they're pleading with them do you want me to call it do yeah. you want me to finish it so much that I didn't realize
1: knowing when to come close to the competitors and when to give them space
0: yeah how you can get across the ring from one side to the other in two steps yeah like without making noise
1: how to count without blocking any of the cameras or the audience
0: yeah how to not like god imagine being the referee who was in the way of a spotlight yeah and I can't think of any, any time any time
1: that's happened
0: you know, the WWE like that's not just like a, oh their production cameras are great or anything no, like that no that's just like referee Generally, are I, very trained to not be in yeah, the way. Yeah,
1: I can imagine. I don't know if this is the case, but tweet in if you're if you know this and you're a referee. But I imagine that they mark out when they're training refs. They mark out on the ring floor. They're like, right, this is the area of the ring you go into. And Safe this zones, is the area yeah. that you never go into. Yeah, that's true. Because really you will block the hard cam.
0: Because I think there's like, depending on the size of the ring as well, because obviously yeah. some indie shows, you've got a much smaller ring. That's true. You know, you wouldn't want to be in the way and get hit as a wrestler's coming off the top rope. So their ability to make themselves scarce was something that I was completely flabbergasted by. And something that I loved as well, and this is another little thing that Aubrey did that more referees should do, but we we mentioned that there's stuff in the ring, you know, and a big complaint we had from people with, with tropes and referees is a wrestler like knocks someone out with a really loud chair shot and then there's like a chair with a skull shaped hole in it and then the referee just picks it up and puts it out and then kicks to three. <laughs>
1: Or a crumpled bin. Yeah, right. where did this come from? Or
0: like Jeff Jarrett or Honky Tonk Man used to hit people with guitars and they're literally counting, getting splinters on their hands from the shards of broken guitar going, this is fine, you know? (laughs) But one of the matches we watched, I think it was Jericho and Scorpio Sky Mm. and Jericho tried to use the belt and and he missed and the belt was just laying in the ring. And Aubrey just tiny little moment she walked over and just as she got rid of the belt she went what the heck is this doing in here
1: which i'm going to argue again is like good npcs and video games <laughs> because again if you're playing like the escapists or something yeah. and you drop a piece of contraband the guards have to come pick it up and be like what's this doing here yeah and then be on the lookout to see like who exactly might have brought it
0: in. The, the tension gets raised yeah. up you know i like that because You know, there have been attempts in the past to try and make you empathize more with what the referee can see in the referee's frame of mind. Mm. WCW went for the ill-fated referee camera at one point where they had a giant headset on their head. No,
1: that's such a bad idea. The ref has to move so much. That would be such a shaky camera. Can
0: you imagine what a GoPro was like in 1993?
1: Oh no, I literally can't.
0: It's a big helmet with a fucking camera on top. (laughs) Wow. So, yeah, I don't know if GoPros is something I want to see used for referees in in the future.
1: Yeah, that's just unnecessary. But,
0: I mean, on on the point of good referees making a show, you know, if a referee's doing their job excellently, you probably shouldn't even notice that they were there. For comparison, we watched from Unforgiven99 a couple of those matches because they did a storyline back in the day, Joe, where the referees in WWE were sick of being beaten up, so they went on strike.
1: Right, wow, that's Dem- awesome.
0: Dem- no, right? They The, the referees in kayfabe unionised, <laughs> but, uh, but never in real life.
1: No, God.
0: But they had scab referees then, so referees who had crossed the picket line, and the idea was that all the scab referees were people like the Brooklyn Brawler or Dr. Tom Pritchard, like people who you knew were hanging around the back. And we watched a referee who was essentially... The gimmick was that they were a bad referee... and they weren't used to doing it. And it ruined every match. We watched like D'Lo Brown and Mark Henry... And it was fucking hideous. Yeah. Like the referee, like he had to jog to go across the ring, and he made so much noise. Yeah. And all he was just pointing at various people. He had no emotion on his face. And
1: he couldn't keep up with it as yeah. well. He kept like having to he wasn't there when he was supposed to be there, and he was to keep running later to catch up.
0: Keep that in mind, he couldn't keep up with Mark Henry in 1999. Like that's not a good thing. Like, and he was exhausted at the end of the five-minute encounter. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, refereeing, definitely not something to be under taken lightly no way and we've had a lot of people talk to us and say that a lot of indie promotions have traditionally been cheap with the referees thinking anyone can do it this person just wants to come to the show they can be the referee and when you think about the responsibility of keeping the wrestlers safe the ring safe mm-hmm. you know the first aid and your know, communication between the audience and the the office and the people in the back and
1: the rest is in the ring like, honestly i think really your referee should be even higher priority than getting your favourite wrestlers.
0: Absolutely. Because, I mean, you've could have the best wrestlers in the world in the ring if there's a referee who doesn't know what to do with yeah. them. That's bad. And I don't think anyone should be having a show where the wrestlers are helping the referee along the way. The no. referee should be there to help your wrestlers. If you had got a good enough referee, you could put on... Rookie wrestlers who could yeah. probably get you through a match, you know. I would love
1: to actually see that. See, like one of the best referees yeah. with like some real early wrestlers in their career. Well, there's the thing,
0: right? I mean, they always say Ric Flair could wrestle a broom, yeah. you know, and Ric Flair could wrestle with anyone. You could go in there with Rick or Bret Hart whoever, and they could wrestle around you. Bryce Remsburg could referee a match between two invisible men. I'm sure yeah. he could get me and you in the ring and make it look halfway that competent. Was so
1: fun. <laughs> <laughs> with some good commentary, though. Like, I think it could be an okay. I think time. Could, yeah, it'd
0: be better than if there was a poor referee. So invest in referees i think is a real important thing that we've been hearing from the referees who've been chatting with us and on that note let's head over now to your facebook messages and twitter posts to hear from the fans and the referees all about the world of refereeing
1: so first up on twitter at how to wrestling we have one from jenna acy Jessica Carr brings me so much joy as a woman breaking down barriers and just as an incredibly skilled professional I'm a believer that the best refs go unnoticed and I'm often several minutes into a match before her ponytail catches my eye and I realise it's her
0: she is absolutely awesome the only downside to her coming to the forefront was the awkwardness of when she was introduced of WWE being she's the first ever female referee in WWE
1: yes that's a bad look for you WWE but it's
0: not even true
1: Oh, it's not even true? It's not even true. That's so distasteful then.
0: Rita Chatterton, this was interesting, at the May Young Classic, Rita did mention, she said, well, there was, you know, obviously a referee briefly in the early 80s, but Rita Chatterton, and I will say this is absolutely layer upon layer of controversy and conspiracy, And WWE have sued most people who have talked about this in any way, shape or form. Oh my God. But there were allegations that Rita Chatterton made that she refused sexual advances from Vince McMahon and he attempted to rape her.
1: Oh my God.
0: And the issue with this and the issue with, with discussing this is that WWE and Vince countersued her and the program that she did it with because... They had uncovered that there was an alleged conspiracy involving David Schultz and some disgruntled former employees who were working with this journalist to try and round up as many kind of smear stories on WWE at the time. Now charges were never filed against them. WWE felt they were trying to be extorted for, for $5 million from her, but she has been effectively and literally erased from the history books.
1: Wow, that's so unfair.
0: So whatever it is about the allegations, all it says is that there's the power there to literally wipe away someone from history. And honestly, You're lying to yourself if you're saying that WWE, the reason they haven't had female referees for as long as they've had, this is one of the main reasons. Wow. is because they didn't want there to be eyes on that and then to link back to what happened in the 80s. Oh my God. And this is separate to Mel Phillips and all the stuff we talked about in the Vince episode. All I will say is, uh, all I can do uh, without going into it too much is just compel you to do your own research. Uh, Titan Sinking is a book that has a lot of information about this, and I would implore anyone who's interested to find out more about Rita Chatterton and her erasure from history of wrestling for being the first ever female referee that needs to be talked about
1: yeah my god
0: so yeah that that is definitely something which has been uh, overlooked and a lot of thanks to everyone who tweeted in to to give us info about that and to to let us know about about ria charterton which is something that was probably overlooked from our vince episode so yeah thank you very much everyone for the information from craig anderson a former referee i did it myself for four years the one main thing i can say is that it is far harder than it looks we actually put out a tweet literally saying Hey, referees who are following us, what's the main thing you want people to know? The vast majority of those is it's way harder than it looks, and we do way more than you think. Yeah. A lot of stories of people going to wrestling school training going, I'll just be a referee. What are I going to do? Stand here and count to three, is it? Oh, You yeah, know? Yeah. A lot more to it than that. <laughs> The wrestlers simply have to trust you and you have to trust the wrestlers. Without everyone being on point, it can go seriously wrong. Being a ref is a lot like being a child at times. You have to be seen but not heard. A bad wrestler can ruin one match, but a bad referee can ruin an entire show. Hashtag ref club as well. There is a, a Twitter account using hashtag ref club. kind of like a consortium of referees nice. on Twitter. So if you are someone who's interested in getting into the world of refereeing or you are a referee wanting to connect with hot young referees in your area, uh, Ref Club, the hashtag. Check it out on Twitter. There's a lot of, there's a huge community of referees and zebras out there.
1: I know you mentioned before about the union storyline and referees. Yes. Why haven't referees actually unionized?
0: Who knows? Why hasn't wrestling unionized?
1: It just seems to me like ring crew and referees definitely should be part of a yeah, union. They'd... And I mean, wrestlers should be as well. But they all should be. They all should be part of their own unions
0: this this is a the more and more I talk about this on this show the more and more I realize that this is not a pro I mean it is a huge problem in wrestling do not get me wrong but this is a widespread problem with our generation yeah we we do not know
1: about unions about unions yeah
0: Uh, you're speaking to someone here who's who's been a a, A union rep a union rep and has has been on strike like you know and those two things were certainly connected (laughs) but yeah I mean we we don't know we watched a documentary the other day we've got an election coming up here in the UK and someone's like I'm a duty manager and i only make minimum wage and like have you spoken to your union and they're like what's a union i was like well there you go that's how shit like this happens so yeah i don't know joe is the question but i fear for wrestling and or generation as a whole
1: yeah Next up, from Robert Secundus on Twitter, I think Aubrey had demonstrated that refs shouldn't be noticed is a falsehood. She makes the story and rules so much clearer in every match. I bet if more refs had backgrounds in dance or performance, the bar for newbies understanding in-ring stories would be lower. So it's really interesting because there is this disparity between people who think that refs should be seen and not heard Mm. and people who think that refs can really add to a storyline. And I believe kind of in both of those. Yeah, I think so. Depending on the type of match depends on what type of referee you want.
0: Like, I want them to be... Like I, I, the whole "see not heard" thing, yes, absolutely. Until it comes time for them to do something, Because yeah. I think that a big main event match. I mean, every time Chris Jericho gets in Aubrey Edwards' face, like a goosebumps. You know, <laughs> like when it, when the time comes for them for this to happen, I think yeah that that them having a character or a name or an established like you know something about them. You know, I remember TNA, they had a guy called Slick Johnson. He wore shorts. That was, I mean, that was enough for me. I thought he was a bit of a goof because he wore shorts and it helped, you know, with the storyline. So, yeah, I think that's, uh, I think both can coexist together, really. I think so.
1: And it's interesting about the point about having a background in dancer performance. And as you said, with Bryce Remsberg, the fact that he's got experience in drama and improv. Improv, yeah. I think definitely if you've got like a performing arts background as a wrestler or a referee, that's going to be a massive benefit to you. Because
0: here's the thing, right? And it's the scary thing that happens in wrestling matches. Someone gets injured. Mm-hmm. The person whose job it is, is to continue the, the story, story yeah. and make the show must go on. That's what they say. The, the person whose job is to make that show go on. It's, it's the referee. They're the person who's literally talking to the back saying, you know, if This person is hurt, you know, they're telling them, and the person, you know, they have to relay all those bits of information. Very often, they have to decide whether or not to call the match down there and say, That's it, you know, it's done. Because when someone gets really badly injured, you know, in a match, you have to make the call of whether or not they can have a, a move done to them or not. Yeah, you know, I recently had to re the match for Stone Cold Steve Austin broke his neck. Yeah. You know, the call was made that, Yeah, no, we can roll him up and have him do a kick out at the end or whatever, but by doing that, they made it much, much no, worse. No. You know, these are the decisions that can add months or take away years
1: or end careers, or end careers yeah.
0: you know so you are in a high stress situation yeah. you're that you know first day is not like someone's going to get a boo-boo or a splinter you're talking about someone who may have their career cut short depending yeah. on what decisions you make a lot of people we should say on all social media platforms pointing out two famous moments that they wanted to make sure you knew about one is charles robinson running to the ring of course at uh, wrestlemania 24 set beautifully to chariots of fire in an episode of botchamania once oh i have to see that <laughs> that would be amazing and uh, people as well they, like to point out mark curtis who was a referee in wcw who tragically died very very young because of stomach cancer he literally was refereeing like the day before he died like wow. that's how committed he was to it somebody who very much endeared himself to to wrestling fans and and the wrestlers but uh there's a famous incident of like a fan trying to get into the ring in WCW. He's like, nope. And he's like a one-man wrecking crew. Wow. So you get to be a bouncer and like literally fight a fan who's trying to jump in the ring and ruin a match. Like, God.
1: So. Now from Adam Bibolo over on Twitter. Who's that? Who's that? One of the most entertaining things in wrestling to me is when a referee plays along with a bit, even if it means making a complete buffoon of themselves. <laughs> Perfect <laughs> example being the recent Eve show where we saw the ref sell a mauling from a plush dinosaur backpack. So that's the match that we mentioned ah, yes, yes. earlier. It's a fantastic time.
0: I think like a referee, again, it can be a, a conduit for all the great emotions of wrestling. I think the idea that referees can only be used for serious stuff or can only mm. add drama, I mean comedy right there you yeah. know i mean i'll show joe clips of bryce remsburg just becoming the undertaker yeah. in a, a chicara match to beat up some evil ice creams you know <laughs> they can be i mean i think referees in wwe at the moment particularly with that 24/7 gimmick there's such an opportunity for humor there And they're letting it go i'll never forget there was a time when they had the 24-7 championship back in the attitude era when the referees went with another referee and saw the champion was sleeping he's like right let's do it and he took his shirt off so he was shirtless (laughs) and the other referee was there to make the count for him like i just they're not characters they they're the straight characters often in wrestling Mm -hmm. like they're the person you make jokes at the expense of or whatnot. I think they can be very unexpected. Like when Graham Chapman comes out with a zinger in Monty Python, yeah. you don't see it coming. The same with the refs. Like.
1: Now you were saying earlier about how sometimes wrestlers have become referees and yes. it's seen as like a demotion. Mm. Has a referee ever become a wrestler?
0: Yes, they have done storylines like that. I was racking my brains there. My first went to Shane McMahon, who did start off as a referee in WWF, like wow. in the 80s, young little boy Shane McMahon. But they introduced a character onto WWE called Brad Maddox. And it was a really cool storyline, but he he kind of rubbed people in the wrong way and he used words he shouldn't have in a promo at a, at a dark match later on and got fired. And then he was involved in that sex tape with Paige and all that. Uh. So you don't hear Brad Maddox's name being used very often in wrestling, but in this case, it's appropriate. The storyline that they did was that he was someone who trained to be a wrestler in developmental, but wasn't good enough, so had to become a referee. But then when he became a referee, he immediately did a dodgy deal with Paul Heyman to screw someone out of a match to help Paul Heyman's guy. Right. The idea being that he thought that Paul Heyman would help him become a wrestler and a star. Yeah. So he he was a referee and he, he straight ref for like three months just doing normal stuff. And then it came to the big match he was refing. and Then he low-bowed Ryback and helped CM Punk win a match. And it's like, what? This referee just became a heel. And it was like, yeah, because I'm going to become a wrestler and a big superstar. And then he proceeded to get murdered. Like. Uh. So, yes but only to do a roundabout way of having it be like a joke almost that this guy thinks he can be a wrestler.
1: Because I think it could make a really good underdog story to have a wrestler whose background is being a referee. Yeah. And they could have like a special relationship because they understand what it's like to be a referee. Yeah,
0: like they'll always obey the rules or they, they know they know the things that you can do to yeah. totally like screw around with a referee. Maybe Toru Yanu was a referee <laughs> in a previous life. That's how he knows to always go for the turnbuckle pads.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Austin Chu here. I feel like I'm of the belief that a good ref shouldn't be noticed but i'm also a hypocrite because the first time i saw rick knox double clothesline the young bucks and do a tope con hilo i laughed hysterically funnily enough that i think actually happened either in a pwg episode or way 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 back on our young bucks episode where in one of the matches the referee just started doing moves and I think it's because they had done a storyline that the Young Bucks were always bullying this guy, Rick Knox. He's kind of a slender ball lad. He's a great referee. And then the match we saw was the point he finally had been pushed overboard. He's like, fine, fuck it. He's going to do loads of cool moves. <laughs> <laughs> like ECW would always do this. And I think it's one of the funniest things to do with a referee where someone like Sabu or Rob Van Dam is like, I'm going to jump to the outside. And they say, referee, just stand there for seconds and he would jump off the referee
1: wow
0: or oh, there's times in, in ecw as well and this could only happen in ecw pure ridiculousness but there's four baddies that have been laid out in the four corners and there's three good guys and they're gonna go and run to the four corners and the referee just goes fuck it i'll be your fourth and does a, a dropkick <laughs> kick with them in stereo like Amazing. so yeah i think there's like I think everyone is of the belief, we can agree, that referees should be seen and not heard.
1: But special circumstances.
0: But we all like when they are heard and not seen.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Next up from Murdoch7x4. Earl Hebner ruined every big match by flinching and kicking his leg back whenever the wrestler was about to kick out at two and a half. Please spend at least ten minutes on this.
0: What the actual fuck?
1: I didn't notice this.
0: Yeah, this is a thing now. Now that you've told me, I've noticed.
1: Thanks.
0: So, yeah, just so you know, every match with Earl Hebner is now ruined. All I'll say is that since this has been pointed out to me, I've been trying to pay attention to this, and it does happen.
1: Oh, that's annoying.
0: There's another one as well that some points out to me similarly. Remember I mentioned Charles Robinson, the, the ref with the kind of the Ric Flair hair? Yeah. Every time a wrestler does a move, he goes, Whoa! He moves <laughs> his hands up together like an axe handle and moves to the side. It's like kind of a dynamic stretch from Ring Fit or that's something. very interesting. And he'll just be there. Oh, oh, oh. Like, Bryce was doing that a lot in the... In the Invisible Man match. Mm. When someone throws a strike at the referee, she goes, Wah! and like physically moves to sell the now, blow. That's
1: very interesting, because in dance, you use your hands as a way to draw the audience. It's, it's the same as in magic. You use it as a way to like attract the attention of the viewer. Right. So if you want to emphasize a move, a dance move, you would move your hand with your body and look at your hand. So by moving your body in that way and paying attention to your own hands, the audience are going to look at it as well and it's going to make it seem like it's a lot more energetic and impactful.
0: It's incredible because, like, look at a referee, a good referee's face when someone's been choked or has a choke sound. They'll go, you know, they, they... It's, it's not just happy, sad. It's it's whole smorgasbord. It's almost
1: like they're selling.
0: Yeah, and in many ways. A lot of the referees we've talked about have got better facial expressions than a lot of wrestlers because I know mm. it's something that you've had been very sour on a lot of the time is yeah. wrestlers just having this blank, serious, dozy face when stuff happens to them.
1: And you know what else? never have I seen a referee because like a lot of times when wrestling a referee gets knocked unconscious Mm -hmm. I've never seen a referee just lie there with their eyes open they always look legitimately knocked out
0: my favourite thing like a little trope is like when a referee gets knocked out and a wrestler tries to revive him (laughs) I like there was used to always do that where like Austin would like have a bottle of water be pouring on the referee Never have
1: done mouth to mouth
0: (laughs) I did see once I think Undertaker pick up a referee literally by his belt like, like like a small child and literally pick him up and put him in the like <laughs> now count like so we got some info here now from stephen cummins uh, another referee here a referee can make or break a match especially at the indie level i think like, everything we've talked about you could say like it's times a million for indie shows because uh in amas like a lot of referees that i've been reading about have been asked about like what's it like when you're in a big arena and they're like honestly it's just kind of hard because you can't see the people and you had this just kind of general white noise, like the way the wrestlers find it difficult to tell in a big arena what the reaction is. But if you're in an indie environment and you're the referee, you are painfully aware mm-hmm. of everyone in that arena because you're looking around, you're you're looking at the crowd the whole time. Yeah. If a ref looks disinterested or just not engaging in the action, it can be very world breaking as a ref has to almost be a conduit for the fans. That's actually interesting. If I take like a referee, you just kinda of like, eh. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one time, The Rock was a special guest referee, and he went one, two. It doesn't matter if The Rock <laughs> counts to three.
1: <laughs> it must be really hard if you like feel like you're about to yawn as a referee. Like if you're just tired. Yeah, you can't yawn. You're right. Better not. I'd be rubbish. I yawn all the goddamn time. Yeah, and
0: particularly they're doing <laughs> something that's physically demanding. It yeah. was very interesting was when we were talking with that Mike Chioda documentary, he was like, I couldn't tell you how many matches I've refereed. And we were like, I'll oh, just count up the number of shows, Mike. And they're like, wait, how many? We don't even know. And I think if you look at a given pay-per-view, some referees do work more than once. Oh,
1: yeah. In fact, most do, Yeah, I think.
0: That's interesting in its own right. Yeah.
1: I think he, he said he thought he'd done 15,000 matches in oh, his lifetime. Dang hell. That's a lot.
0: And he's talking about back in the days when they did the double shot. You have the show at 1pm, multiple refereeing jobs, and then a show again at 7pm, multiple refereeing jobs. Unbelievable. Continuing on here now. Whereas if the ref is involved, conveying the tension and getting you invested in the babyface's struggle, it can be a massive drama intensifier. At my level, I'm also a timekeeper. So I'll give time keys to the performers that will be given as they will be given match time, say eight to 10 minutes. You let them know then if it's going to be like five minutes. Basically, Greg Wallace and MasterChef. I'm also relaying messages between the performers. Say when I'm checking on the baby face, they might tell me to tell the heel the next spot, etc. Something else. It's funny, at this point now, we're like, I've never seen a referee do this. Mm. But like I constantly hear wrestlers call spots. Yes. Hey, John Cena. I'm gonna do my finisher now. Yeah. Hey everybody! You want to see the? You want to see the AA? But referees, despite the fact that they are constantly communicating with wrestlers mm. and, ref- and... Never hear it. Never heard it. I'd be interested to know, like, you know, from Matthew's Botchimania, he's got a whole segment where it's like, you know, wrestlers talk too much and he will show instances of wrestlers being very loud. Right. Can't think of many times if any of a referees has been involved there. Yeah. Very, very soft-spoken individuals. For newer, younger guys, etc., I will be giving them positioning cues or telling them if they need to slow down, speed up, cut a spot or a match short as i'll be listening to reading the room and i can help them out in that regard you're one of the busiest guys in the match it amazes me when people think that you just go out there and count to three five or ten and you're also very upfront for rest or safety if anything i am overly cautious and will check on guys probably too much but say the heel may not sometimes realize that they've actually winded or knocked out another guy or they could be momentarily loopy so again you gotta pass that along very Very hard work, but very rewarding as I get to learn so much watching, but interacting with amazing talent. And you got to say, there ain't no better seat in the house than that, like, because you know, when you're a commentator, you're on a monitor, but the referee right there in the action, that's Mm. pretty amazing stuff.
1: I have a theory. Now I did media production at university Mm. and when you study media, it often ruins media for you (laughs) because you can't watch films in the same way without sort of analyzing things. I wonder if you are a referee, if it kind of ruins wrestling view Because then you suddenly you're very well aware of the referees in each match. Like, it would be impossible not right. to pay attention to what they're doing. And if you've got a bad referee, mm. you'd be so sensitive to that fact.
0: Because it's interesting in that we watched um, some of the Jimmy Corderas refereeing 101 DVD, which a lot of referees have told us, like, that's that's really good. That's, like, the closest thing to, like, an actual guide that's out there. And he had like lists and lists of pet peeves, you know, mm. res- referees in the wrong position, referees doing this but not doing that. I would imagine it just means there's a lot more things that could potentially irritate you. Mm. But that being said, if you're a referee, I mean, most people won't watch a match and you go, referee did a great job there. Yeah. You know, whereas I feel like now, having done this episode, I'm going to be. A lot more conscious of that role. Because I think, genuinely, in 2019, we're in a little bit of a referee renaissance. Yeah. You know, there was an NXT show recently that had an all-female referee team. That's awesome. Which, to, to my knowledge, is one of the only times that's ever happened. I think that is definitely the only time it ever happened with WWE. So they are training more women to become referees. That's so cool. It is. It's great. Like, it's become the norm. And I... like. As much as I'm happy that Aubrey Edwards has been cast into the stratosphere and is everyone's faith, I don't want it to become like she's like, she's she's the one, like, you know, as much like I don't want Jessica Carr to be like, oh, we have one, so it's okay, Mm -hmm. like, you know. You know, we don't come across as part of the wrestling fandom recently, but when we do things like tweet about Jim Cornette being racist and stuff like that, we do get to see into the fucking Shrieking Abyss. Mm -hmm. Even in that Shrieking Abyss, I don't see people complaining in any way about women refereeing men's matches no you know and even though a
1: lot of people have real issues with intergender wrestling yeah but for whatever reason they're fine with refs being female yeah i don't know
0: how about refs who are female taking spots because i had a tab open earlier that said jesus and it was aubrey edwards she had described as the worst spot she got you know in terms of being knocked out she got kicked right in the side of the head by ray phoenix now she said completely safe all that it was worked But in terms of visuals and optics... Oh, I
1: mean, it was very effective. (laughs) I've never heard such heat from a crowd.
0: Yeah. I don't know if mainstream audiences are necessarily ready for that yet. I think there is still some kind of discussions maybe that need to be had on a larger scale before everyone's totally cool with the female refs getting manhandled. But... All I'll say is, male or female, if you establish them as a character, it'll mean a lot more when yeah, stuff happens.
1: Definitely. Now, from S. Mini Hayne '87, when I was young and Triple H was super heel, beating everyone and trying to intimidate the refs, I always thought it was so cool when Earl Hebner would stand up to him, being a bully, and shove him back and not take it. Being bullied as a kid, this always made me happy.
0: Hey! So you're not alone. Yay! You too had a problematic fave when yeah. you were growing up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Now from Joe Del Toro, I always played as the special referee in the Smackdown games and inevitably ruined the match by doing slow counts and unfair DQs. Since I wasn't aware of kayfabe at the time, I grew up hugely appreciating these stripy stalwarts for not doing the same.
0: <laughs> I mean, we had a lot of other you know, people chatting about special guest referees and there's definitely an art form to it. I yeah. don't think anyone can do it. I think Mick Foley was a, a bit of a master of the special guest referee. But like, I'd even say even great storyline moments where like Vince McMahon's a special guest referee. There's always going to be the disconnect of someone being in there who's not as good at doing mm. the count and all that and can't get the drama quite as well. Like So I all I've heard from, from wrestlers who have reached out is that if there is a special guest referee, it usually means that the match is a little bit... There's more prep. There has to be more chats beforehand because whoever's being there as the conduit is not going to be someone who's used to doing it a lot. But yeah. generally speaking, if they're a trained wrestler, they'll know certain things. But what is very clear from this is just because you're trained to be a wrestler doesn't mean that you can be a referee. Yeah. If anything, being trained to be a referee often means that you probably could it probably might work the other way a yeah, little bit more, you I know. Think so. so yeah
1: Now from AJ Miller, eighty nine, I'm of the opinion that refs need their own introductions by the announcer to put over how important some matches are. Yes. Yeah.
0: World Championship matches Now Well, like now that they're at the point where they do the lights dim down AEW does it, WWE does it Because NXT started doing it They dim the lights down, they hold up the belt And they do the in-running introductions They say here's the champion, here's the challenger Why not say when the bell goes The referee in charge, bap you know, that is, that's who they are.
1: What about if referees had entrance music?
0: <laughs> well, Earl Hebner got an entrance once in in the height of Hebner Mania really? in the year 2000 on Smackdown. I think that's maybe a bit much. Yeah, Like, maybe if you're there at... Like, if you're there at a live show, the referee coming into the ring is always a bit of fun, isn't it? Yeah. Like, you know, where they <laughs> they come in and there's a big... Ooh, before they go through the ropes. That always makes me laugh. Fun little fact, I remember... ...randomly this has just popped up... ...but ages and ages and ages ago... ...there was a match we watched for Ring of Honor... ...which had a referee... ...their head referee, which was Todd Sinclair... ...who was being booed en masse, even though he wasn't a baddie. And you were like, why is everyone booing poor Todd? He, just, he, was, the, he was the kind of uh, the blonde referee who Toro Yano kept trying to move around with in yeah. that match we saw. A very sympathetic kind of individual. The crowd were always booing. I tried to find out why people boo him so much. And apparently the reason is, is that when Ring of Honor first started, because they wanted to have it be the like, same super pure technical wrestling, because he always fell for all the heel tricks people are like you're ruining the product wow because like ring of honor you shouldn't be distracted as a referee or you shouldn't you know get knocked out for ages you're you're making this bad for everyone so that's why he has historically been hated apparently oh, I see. so there we go Joe, how do you feel about the world of referees now?
1: I feel good. Yeah, Yeah. I feel like I appreciate it a lot more than I did before. Yeah. I feel like I've got a newfound appreciation for refereeing.
0: Do you think that you're going to be uh, looking for referees' names and stuff in the future?
1: I think if they are told to me I will make more of an effort to remember them. But mm-hmm. that's the trouble, isn't it? You don't get to hear about them most of the time. So I'm, I'm not, probably not going to go away and Google each ref I see. You're not have
0: your internal roster of referees in your head like I do. Like. I
1: mean, probably not until WWE actually emphasizes them a bit more. Do you think they will? I hope they do.
0: I mean, because they, they're obviously paying attention to AEW and other shows. I was going to say, they're obviously know?
1: paying attention to our podcast. They've done loads of things we've said they should do. I mean,
0: they have, but that's besides the <laughs> point, like, you know, where we were back in 2015 saying that one of American Alpha should be Kurt Angle's kids. Yeah. What the fuck were we thinking? Like, you know? <laughs> not
1: that one, not, the other one. No,
0: not like that. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I just, I think that it's going to happen soon because they're looking over now and, you know, names we've mentioned a lot, but Aubrey and Bryce Ramsberg and Rick Knox, these like names who have got a following over an AEW, you know, I think that NXT will start doing it sooner rather than later, you know? And then if NXT do it, I think WWE will have to do it, you know? You've you've got to give them a name. They're doing a hard job. Yeah. And from what it seems, referees should be paid more, generally speaking.
1: They should. And you know what else? Something that didn't come up in this conversation so far, so I'm saying it now. Mm -hmm. Referees should be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Yes. That was a really early
0: episode where I I mentioned the Hall of Fame. You're like, oh, do referees go in there? No, no
1: and they should they They absolutely should
0: i mean i guess the problem they have is that the person you would most likely put in the hall of fame the most famous referee (laughs) has got like a a box of t-shirts with your name on it saying that i'm not going in the hall of fame like you know so yeah interesting that hey this is something which is you know much like a commentary episode i think this is quite a broad church of a topic it's something that we will certainly be Revisiting, and we certainly want to keep the conversation going. I'm very well aware that a lot of referees will probably only hear this episode or know about this episode, I should say, once it's been recorded and it's come out. So, if you are someone who's listened to this and you've got more to add to this conversation, we do revisit these topics and episodes on our Patreon. So, please do use the hashtag how referees We always want to keep the conversation going so we can revisit these episodes. And to everyone who's supported us so far in 2019 on Patreon, whether that has been supporting us through recording, requesting episodes through just being a backer to get access to our pay-per-view reviews and our revisited series we thank you absolutely so much and if you want to help yourself to a little treat this festive season why not request an episode or an impression or a voicemail whatever you like details of all of our bespoke gifts that you can get are over at patreon.com forward slash how to wrestling and as always your home for all episodes and information and fabulous articles how to wrestling.com We want to give a big shout out to Noah, who's been our primary writer for how to wrestling.com this year. He has done an absolute slew of amazing articles. So please go check him out on HaitiWrestling.com. And if you are interested in writing for the website, Joe, as our editor, I believe submissions are now open once again. If people have any ideas for articles.
1: Yeah, absolutely. If there's an issue about wrestling that you've been burning to write about, you've just got something to say and you want to get it off your chest. Maybe it's something about being a new wrestling fan or your experiences as a wrestling fan. Yeah, get in touch. Send us a pitch. I'm yeah. always open to new pitches for articles and new content for the site.
0: We don't want anyone to give us their hot takes on their favorite parts of this week's episode of NXT or their fave five wrestlers of all time. We're using this as a place for people to talk about stuff in wrestling that doesn't necessarily get talked about usually on other wrestling sites. Exactly. So, yeah, absolutely. If you've got an idea, weird, wonderful, or otherwise, let Joe know and send us an old email to howtowrestling at gmail.com. Joe, we're going into a new year and a new decade with possibly one of the biggest episodes of How To Wrestling of all time. Joe, we've had a lot of wrestlers in this podcast. We've had a lot of greats, a lot of icons, a lot of legends. Very few can lay claim to the title of the greatest of all time or someone who is said by their peers to be the greatest wrestler of his or any other generation. Mm. It is someone we've seen a few times and someone you know a little bit about but someone you do definitely do not know the whole story and it's going to be a big old time when we chat about the nature boy, Ric Flair. We're going to be riding limousines, flying jets, Stealing kisses and dealing wheels, whatever that means. as we talk about the 16-time world champion, multiple-time Hall of Famer, and one of the most egregiously interesting people in wrestling ever. What do you know about Rick, if anything, so far?
1: Rick Flair. I know he's got blonde hair. He bleeds a lot. He falls over.
0: Yeah. He. You're a fan of his daughter.
1: I'm a fan of his daughter. Big fan of his daughter. He had a really awkward ride along with Charlotte Flair. Once (laughs) (laughs) that'll be
0: part of the episode, I'm sure.
1: um let's see one time i read something that i thought was a funny joke on twitter yeah. where someone was like oh yeah rick flair once went to a restaurant and instead of paying for his pasta he just threw his rolex watch into a plate of spaghetti and cried Woo! i have 10 of these and walked off and i read this to you and you were like that's probably not a funny joke yeah. that probably happened
0: yeah uh rick flair is the type of guy when if he got into a fight he would take off one of his loafers and go these shoes cost more than your house Woo!
1: Don't brag about that, Ric Flair!
0: It is going to be a study in a simple but effective and incredibly high octane in ring style but also a story about the psychology of wrestling and fame in wrestling and how the lines can be blurred between character and person because he ain't Ric Flair he's Richard Fleur and that is not the same person but I don't know if he knows the difference anymore.
1: I'm so excited for this episode because I think I've loved every single Ric Flair match I've seen Mm. and we watched an over an hour long match between him and Sting and it's one of the best matches I've ever seen so I am hyped for this. I
0: think Ric Flair was the person really who made you think that long matches could actually be yeah. like you know to that point before that long matches episode you were very down on the prospect yeah. <laughs> so yeah Ric Flair a very controversial figure but only if you ask some of the other people we've talked about who are all time greats he's rubbed a lot of people the wrong way people like Bret Hart Eric Bischoff even at times Vince McMahon so There's a lot to talk about with Rick and it's someone who will have to tread a fine line between not just gushing about his amazing matches but not just talking about his complicated and strange and truly unique personal life and rise to his place as one of the all-time legends in wrestling. Settle yourselves in, folks. It's going to be a long one and we are after your match recommendations, your thoughts, your feelings and your memories of the in-ring and post-in-ring career of the nature boy. Use the hashtag how to Ric Flair. Diamonds are forever and so is this podcast. So let's check out Rick Flair in our next episode and we're going to have a grand old time, I'm sure. Are you in any way, like, are you excited or apprehensive? I'm just excited. You're just excited. Just
1: excited, yeah. Really, really excited.
0: Oh my God. I mean, so far, Joe has seen like Wife Swap with Rick Flair. I sure have. I've seen a few, you know, WWE docs where Rick has shown up but I really don't think we could safely say at this point that you really know the man, no, do you?
1: No, definitely not. Have you seen
0: many Ric Flair promos?
1: I've seen one where he came back from retirement. Yeah. You showed it to me Oh, this is just, the
0: Bischoff one.
1: Yeah, where he's just like garbled. You You're a liar! Can't make out what he's saying. You're a
0: scam! You are a no good son of a bitch. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. Let's add on to that usual thing. I want the wildest craziest weirdest Ric Flair promos I could watch Ric Flair promos all day and you and I will be so we uh, no, Joe you're going to be as entertained (laughs) as the matches I think (laughs) So, yeah, let's go Hell for Leather, Ric Flair promos. Let's go TNA, Mean Gene and WCW, straight-up cocaine 80s promos. Whatever it is, let's watch it. It's going to be an all-time classic episode of How To Wrestling. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening in. And as always, if you're listening on iTunes, SoundCloud, or on Stitcher, leave us an old rating or review. Get your tweets in for How To Ric Flair. Don't forget the hashtag. There'll be a post on Facebook and a thread on Twitter. But until next time, now that our lives are full of law and order and respect for the letter of the rules, it'll be a goodbye from me, Kevin.
1: And a goodbye from me, Joe.
0: And we'll see you next time on How To Wrestling.
1: See ya.